Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. It's time <laughs> for the Battle for Zendikar set review. You're listening to the Command Zone podcast. We're back. Uh, my name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Yay. Is that going to be... That's what? not going to be a thing, right? That's, we just did that that one time. The, it's time? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's always time. It's so bad. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> if you guys listened to our last episode, you know what we are referencing. Otherwise, it's our new catchphrase. Um, and We're, we're going to put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> and then get promptly sued <laughs> for a common two-word sentence yeah, you or can't, phrase. You there's can't. no way you could trademark that, I don't you think. You could trademark a lot of things. But I don't know if it's time. The trademark just expired on uh, the Happy Birthday song. It's now finally entered creative. Oh, I saw that. Creative whatever. I saw they just lost a big court battle. They'll probably appeal, so it's not official yet. It's ridiculous. That's why They're making like $2 million a year off Happy Birthday, this song. Yeah. That's why Applebee's and all those restaurants have to sing the really crappy, like, clap a bunch of yeah, times yeah. and yell at people as your birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Yeah. Don't know all the words. But da, 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 da. Happy hey. birthday. Yeah. yeah hey. It. <laughs> it ends in the hey every it's time. also because they want it to be fast because yeah. they don't actually want to sing it to you. They want to just get back to their other tables. Yeah. Especially if they did a really long, drawn out one in the middle of a restaurant <laughs> during rush hour or whatever. That'd be bad. So, Jimmy. Yeah. How's it feel? Uh, to be a champion. Community Cup winner. Like we knew Jimmy we would Wong. be a champion. Like there was no doubts whatsoever. It was so close. It was such a barn burner. Yeah, that was ridiculous. We I went 0-3 when we did the Balfour's and the Sealed event. And I was like, I went 2-1 the, the thing beforehand. I was like, I'm going to do I'm going to like have a positive record today. And oh, God, I crashed and burned. <laughs> and then at the set, end of the second day, we were so far behind. We had very little uh, optimism. Well, I, it was really like you guys were feeling the pressure. I could tell, yeah, like how much pressure there was on you because you know it's not just you. You're letting the whole like all the players the whole, on MTGO yeah, down. Five thousand people watching on Twitch down. Oh my gosh! Not just that. Anybody who's like gonna log on to Magic Online and expect to like get this free stuff, and yeah. all of a sudden they're not gonna get it. No, I was feeling for you. You guys did a really good job pulling that out. It was. Uh, it made for an exciting watch yeah if you guys want to watch actually all of the community cup it's on uh wizards twitch site so it's twitch.tv slash magic and you can just watch the uh, past broadcast it's all there yeah it's pretty enthralling stuff uh there was a very good commander game that was played yep we're gonna talk People more calling it the best commander game by the way they've ever seen which just is sad because they, that just shows <laughs> they haven't seen a lot of commander games. yeah but, right <laughs> yeah um but we are going to talk more about the community cup uh in the end step yep um, but we want to jump right into the set review because we know this is a, these are our more popular shows, and so we want to get right to the getting. Yep, let's get... Well, the getting's good. We, we have... Get, we do have one thing, though. Oh, yes, that's right. We have this every time we do a set review, actually. Yeah, so you, go ahead. It's a contest! Woo! We're giving stuff away! Yeah. It's time! It's time for more giveaways. Uh, this time, I uh, when I came from, back from PAX this year, I had a lot of those uh, intro decks from Origins. Oh, right. And all of them have a commander in them. It's like it's Outhammer it, or it's P and Kieran the Lar, or it's Kothafed, or it's Dwinin, uh So every single one has a legendary creature. Yeah, and it's a it's a dual color deck, both with a monocolored creature in the front of it. So we're gonna be giving away a bunch of those, and we also have some more Dragons of Darkier boosters. We just still have some. Yeah. So actually, when you do win, maybe you'll get the choice of a starter deck 
or a dragon's turkey booster who knows or a draft pack or something you're, you're gonna let people choose I, I think well it's up to you you send the prizes i'm the one out. sending it yeah. you know what we'll find out when we declare the winners it's up in the air right now you could win one or either um so uh like well, always the contest is just send us your favorite brew idea or combo or whatever whatever from battle for zendigar has you the most excited yeah and why uh tweeted at us we're at command cast on twitter or you could send us an email command cast at rocketjump.com either one will enter you um which the winners will be chosen randomly so it's not the content of what yeah you exactly us. yeah so um we will announce that once we have all the entries in please try to get them to us well we usually record on thursdays so this is going to come out on a tuesday and you will need to get us your entry by thursday evening yep so two nights hold yep. on my dog is gnawing on the bone i don't know if you guys can hear it look at her go kiwi she she just purposely chooses the loudest toy every time. Yeah. That's mine. This is yours. <laughs> he keeps. <laughs> you can't see it at home, but the desk that we record on, there's like four uh, dog toys, and it's just like ever growing. Yeah. Then she just goes and grabs another loud toy. Then he grabs that and puts it on the table. Maybe I should just stop buying loud toys. No, no, I like this because by the end of the night, we're gonna have a stack like you know. <laughs> Two feet high of and dog toys. Who, who is the dog now, Josh? It's definitely going <laughs> to be Who's us. trained who? Yeah. So anyway, enter the contest. Please submit your stuff. You guys have a couple of days to do it. Tweet it to us or email it at us. Uh, again, it just needs to be a combo that you're excited about or just a couple like, this card's going to go great in this deck. You know, it yep. doesn't have to be a combo or whatever. So um, with that being said, it's time. It's time. <laughs> Bing. Bing. Get the air horns going. Ring all the wah, bells. Wah, wah. The temple bell has been rung. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, Battle for Zendikar is looking spicy, guys. and um, It's looking crazy for us. Yeah. I know there's been a lot of, like, I don't know. This happens every set where people are, like, kind of salty or they're complaining or whatever. But I'm, I'm just like, what whatever. For EDH, it looks awesome. Yep. It looks super awesome. Um, there's just, it's a set about ramping out big, huge stuff. And what all we do in EDH is big, huge stuff. And also, a lot of it's colorless. Yeah. So a lot of it just goes into, like, any given deck that you have like so often a cool card comes out and you're like well i don't have a mono black deck so i can't really use that well in this set a lot of the coolest stuff is just big and colorless so you can go in whatever you want and there's one card in particular we'll talk about that will probably go in most mono color decks that don't have this kind of effect um but let's start with uh some of the new mechanics that are in the set the first is ingest and this is seems to be a limited mostly limited sort of effect i don't know some people are talking about using this in uh, commander i i I'm a little bit skeptical. I think you have to stretch a little bit because, uh, again, we're playing with the exile zone uh, with ingest here. So ingest is an ability that when a creature attacks and does damage to you that has ingest on it, you exile the top card of your library and it becomes just exiled. So it enters the exile zone. There are a lot of other cards in the set that say, like, take one card that your opponent owns from exile and put it into their graveyard and do this effects like loot or uh, tap a creature down. Yeah, they're um, calling those processors right. uh, a lot of the time. So anything that like has an effect, but it requires your opponent to have a card in exile for it to work, because you sort of take one or two cards or however many cards from their exile zone, put it yeah. into the graveyard, and then you get this effect. So You are processing the things that have been ingested. Yeah. So it's an interesting mechanic. Um, we're going to see it on a few of the cards. Another new mechanic is called Awaken. Very cool. Uh, this is the land, by the way, fighting back against the uh, Eldrazi. Yeah, and of course, Zendikar is so much about lands in general. Um, 
and I should say the lands in this set all alone are just worth like a whole set review. They're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Awaken, the way that it works is a spell will have a casting cost and then it will have an Awaken uh, number and a casting cost. So it's an alternate cost similar to Overload. If you pay the alternate cost, you get the effect of the spell, but then you also put a certain amount of counters on one of your lands and that land becomes a creature and has haste. So if it had Awaken 2 and you paid the Awaken cost, you'd put two 1-1 counters on a land and it would become a 2-2 and would have haste. Pretty cool. So it's um, kind of like, it reminds me of the bestow mechanic. Yeah, uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, just because it's just additional value on different points on the curve. So if yeah. you're at three mana, you can just fire off the spell. But if you're at five, you can fire off the spell and get a two-two. Yeah, uh, yeah. The awaken costs are always more than the casting cost is, um, and it's sometimes it's more mana intensive. Like the one board wipe that's in the set actually has another white pip in it uh, uh, on top of right, just costing two more. white. It costs three white. Yeah, um, but yeah, awaken seems really good. It scales really well. Obviously, the longer it's the very good goes. and limited. I'm not sure for EDH. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think some of them, maybe just a couple, um, will have it matter. Converge, this is your mechanic right here. Yeah, Converge is the sort of similar to Sunburst, as people are saying. So it, yep. it cares what colors or how many colors Definitely. you've tapped when you cast this spell. So if a spell has Converge and you and it's cost three and a red, let's say, and you pay the red mana, but then the three, you actually play a black, green, and a blue then you've actually played four color mana yep. and you'll get the effect based on you know p- paying four different colors. I think most of the Converge cards will be best only in five color decks in EDH. Cause you're I think want... three is okay for quite three a few Three is okay of them. for a few of them, yeah, yeah but it, if you're going to do it in any deck, it should be a five color one so you can get the max value out of them. Although some of the spells only cost three mana. So, the so max... you can't actually even get it to yeah. five if you want to unless somebody's got thalia or another mm-hmm. effect we'll talk about that on yeah a few that's of actually them. really interesting i wonder if yeah. that will affect modern at all uh rally is the uh ally theme for the set it's rally rally yeah it's essentially a enters the battlefield effect for the creature that the rally is on uh or an ally so like if a creature is an ally and it has a rally rally uh, it, it'll say whenever this creature or another ally enters the battlefield under control um, and then an effect. Creatures you control gain vigilance. Gain this is rank. a useless keyword. This <laughs> this one I don't understand. They could have just put the they just exact wanted to get same. ally in front of an R. It's just weird, and it also wastes a keyword for later. Um, whatever. So, yeah, that's the ally keyword. It just says it cares about allies, and it is an ally, and you're yeah. going to also usually will have an enter the battlefield effect, but not always. Not always. And the final one is uh, Devoid. So it, all it is is this card has no color. Now, that doesn't change what color you have to spend to pay for the card. So you couldn't put a Devoid card in a colorless deck if it had... It doesn't change its color identity. identity yeah. yeah. So for the purposes of EDH, for example, a card will cost, again, let's say three and a red, but it will have Devoid. So the card itself will be colorless, but we still have to go by the rules of EDH, which means that it's still a red card for the purposes of EDH, meaning you can't just put it into a deck that doesn't have red in it. Yeah, because you can't even generate that color in that deck. Right, and you also aren't allowed to have any cards in your deck that have uh, the mana symbols that aren't associated with your general in it. So. Yep, either mana symbols at the top right where it costs to cast or inside the rules text, but not uh, in the case of extort is the only one of the few exceptions. Because that's the reminder text reminder and text, not yeah. the rules text. Oh, um, what a complicated game we play. <laughs> the, the thing I would say about Devoid where it might matter is when something like Iona is out on the table. Oh, and yeah. uh, if you're playing mono red, but you have a couple of Devoid um, 
creatures or spells that are have red in their casting cost, mm-hmm. but they're devoid, then they would be able to get past, let's say, Iona or a similar type effect. I'm glad you went to Iona first with your example. That was nice. <laughs> As everyone who listens to the show knows, we love Iona. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things that are important about this set. Uh, the Eldrazi spawn that used to exist back in the Rise oh, of the Eldrazi yeah. days have upgraded they used to be zero ones they're all grown up they're all grown up now yeah so eventually originally they were zero ones that you could sack for one colorless mana uh now they are one ones yeah they're actually called eldrazi scions rather than spawn tokens very good job by wizards there scion spawn starts with the same letter but sounds bigger you know it's kind of cool Yep, and they're one ones, and they do the exact same thing. You can sack them for one colorless mana. So there's a lot of creatures that generate more of these. There's a few other th- spells that yeah. just generate them, and there's one awesome card that just keeps making them bitter blossom style every turn. We will definitely talk about that yeah, one. The new awakening zone, um, and the last mechanic that is present is a landfall, which is a returning mechanic. Yep, and landfall just says when a land enters the battlefield under your control, you get some sort of added effect or. or you know, a couple of effects or whatever. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some cards. Uh, okay, 12 minutes, guys. We got this. We're 12 <laughs> minutes in already? Yeah. Okay, strap in, everybody. This may be a long episode. There's a lot of cards to talk There's about. Let's go through, yeah. I think uh, we're going to do it efficiently, but we're not going to overly go too deep on some cards. So if we miss some stuff, don't, uh, you know... Don't we're definitely going to try to skip cards also that are just very similar to a lot of cards that are out there. So there's definitely yeah. more playables than we're going to talk about, just depending on what your collection is. But just because a creature is like, it's like it's cheap, but it's just an 8-8, we're just not really going to talk about it because you already know. Put that in your Xenagos deck. Yeah. Okay. Or Animar. Uh, um, let's hit the legendary creatures first. That's right. Also, by the way, you guys can use combos for your contest entries that we don't talk about. That's totally, I mean, fair game. It's even better. It's even better. Yeah, why not? Um, although it's all random, so it's just subjectively better. It's better for people reading it. It's not better for your chances to win. It's better for your chances to get retweeted. How about that? How about that? All right, let's move on to our first legendary creatures. There's uh, six total in the set, five that have colors and one that do does not, which is really exciting. Uh, the first is Drana, Liberator of Malakir. Drana makes her return. She's one black black for a 2-3 legendary creature, a vampire ally. Uh, she has flying and first strike, so already just three mana, two, three flying first strike. Pretty good. Whenever drawn, the Liberator of Malakir deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control. Uh, a little less stoked, but still well, pretty exciting. It is noticeable that she has first strike, so yes. what will happen is she'll actually connect with the opponent first on the first strike part of the damage phase, and then she'll put the one, one counters on everything. Mm-hmm. And then if they're not first strikers, all your the rest of your creatures they'll actually get the 1-1 bonus when they do that yeah. that combat damage. So that's kind of interesting. It's really interesting. This uh, is a great include in certain Marchesa builds if you're trying to be more aggressive and, at- yeah, and attack sure. people because you don't have to go after the person with Dethrone uh, if you have Drana out. Yeah, as long as you can hit them. In fact, you don't even have to hit the person yeah. that the, re- the main body of your army is attacking. So Drana doesn't say, you know doesn't care which opponent you hit. So I yeah. can actually swing it, let's say Jimmy with Drana, but swing all my, you know, the rest of my guys at Craig. And just because I know Jimmy has no flyers and then that'll give plus one, plus one to my whole team that's attacking Craig. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Drana also gets the counter when she does the damage. Um, but if you have her swing at the person that has the highest life total with Marchesa, then she gets two plus one, plus one counters. Seems pretty good. Pretty, I, pretty good. What do we think about a Drana deck, though, one that where she's the general? I don't know, mono black? You would want to do like a go-wide technique with this, right? This falls into the category we usually talk about where like you'd think of a token type, like maybe a zombie strategy. 
What's that, Kiwi? Kiwi does not like zombies. No. <laughs> um, so you would think, we talk about this all the time, right? You have that choice where is you, you want a card that makes a lot of zombies or tokens, or do right. you want a card that pumps them all? And I think in general, you want the token making and Drana would be in the deck maybe, but if she's your general, then you're going to have to rely on your deck to provide you with a lot of token yeah, makers. Yeah, mono black, no less. Um, there's a lot of zombie token makers in my yeah that's true uh, but in that case wouldn't you just want, rather have ghoul call or geese as yeah exactly and then I would go get Drana with a tutor at some point when I'm ready to really deal out the Tutors. punishment does, does black do that black um, there might be okay at it <laughs> next up Zada Hedron Grinder it's uh, he's also an ally uh, interestingly enough he's also mono red <gasps> this, he's still making yes. heart yeah, I was gonna say this this guy should talk to you a little bit yeah he's a three and a red for a three three goblin ally whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Zada Hedron Grinder copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target each copy targets a different one of those creatures wow Whoa. that's a lot of words that's a lot of words what happens is you have a bunch of creatures and one of them Zada if you have a spell that targets only Zada so let's say Titan Strength. I was going to say Lightning Bolt, but that wouldn't be very good. Would that it? would probably be <laughs> not the best. Uh, so Titan Strength gives plus three, plus one, and you scry one. Mm-hmm. So if you target Zada with Titan Strength, now you get to copy Titan Strength for each of your other creatures. So let's say five creatures and Zada, you'll cast Titan Strength. You'll get five additional copies of Titan Strength, one for each of your creatures. Yeah. They'll all get plus three, plus one, and you'll scry one five times. Uh, sorry, same. six, one for Zada. So right. it's not the same as scrying six, but it's scry one six times. Notably, uh, it's whenever you cast a spell, so your opponent can't take advantage of this and, you know, and like lightning pre- bolt yeah, and, and kill all your guys. Golem, your guys. Yeah. Um, and it's a, not a May ability, so it has to happen. Yes. Um, people were saying like uh, cantrips would be really good with this, Defiant Strike, uh, which is you just one white for a plus one plus zero, and then you draw a card. Um, however, he is mono red, so that's why I think he's not a good general because we were talking about this. He's kind of anti-synergistic where you want to make tokens and stuff and go wide, but you don't want to put battle tricks in that deck either. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. Red has, you're right, because they don't have as many card drawing ones. Although I guess if you did But if you did a, a bunch of like them, goblin tokens yeah. and then a few pump spells, I think you could do it. But yeah, I think you're right. In like a Shuyun deck. Yes, by far, I think this is a, a an awesome shooting build around, sort of just like, if you're trying to go a little wide with your guys, or if you just want to get extra value off of all your cool cantrips that you have, be great. Uh, however, I think Zada would be good in a Cranko deck if you were trying to do his kind of effect over and over again, or like, get multiple combat steps or something, because I feel like that would be really effective. Yeah, you just need the cards that allow you to at least take advantage of Zada's ability. I don't know that every Cranko deck has like single targeted pump spells or target your own guy type spells yeah exactly if your deck already has that then zada is very good and maybe there's i can see a deck there might be enough cards where somebody builds a zada deck where zada is the general it's definitely a a cool build around me Mm -hmm. all right the next one is our colorless guy and he's a uh returning from (laughs) from the depths against me at the community cup uh it's ulamog the ceaseless hunger he does not stop being hungry. Yeah, he's ceaselessly hungry. I should have gone in that modern deck that um, Maria, <laughs> yeah, Maria no, designed. Right. If they're allowed to have that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this would have been perfect. So Ulamog is 10 mana for a 10-10 legendary creature Eldrazi. It says, when you cast, notably cast, when you mm-hmm. cast Ulamog, exile two target permanents. Wow. Pretty good. Also has indestructible and says, whenever Ulamog attacks defending player exiles the top 20 cards of his or her library 
Jeez. So this card does a lot of stuff. Yeah, so the original Ulamog, if you guys remember, uh, costed 11, and he comes into play and destroys a target permanent. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy just straight up exiles two, two. and they're target permanent, so yeah. even lands if you feel like it. Uh, he's also indestructible. So um, was the original, right? Yes. And, uh, yeah, 20 cards is pretty, pretty big game. I mean, it doesn't matter at the very least it's five attacks and somebody's mm -hmm. gone uh probably less because we were assuming the game's gone on for a little while because you're at 10 mana this is a hard one to build around though that's for sure I mean, I mean it's not hard you can build around any colorless legendary creature yeah i think this is you know and and there's so many decks that are into cheating out big creatures in one way or another this is going to slot right in there mm -hmm. um you're going to be happy if you pull this in your pre-release or a booster pack that you open and this is going to there's going to be a lot of your decks that this can go into because I mean, how many decks are Blightsteel, Colossus, Kozilek, the original Ulamog? Yeah, in? exactly. They're just, they slot into a lot of decks because at 10 mana for a creature, in general, they do stuff like this. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, like, think about how many people pay 6 mana for a duplicate to just exile a creature. Yeah. For 10 mana, you get two permanents? They can be lands. Yep. Get rid it, of that glacial chasm. <laughs> it is. You do have to cast Ulamog. One of the good things about duplicate is you can flicker right. and... And, and and such and Ulamog you would have to bounce it back to your hand and play him again but think yeah, of Animar exactly. yeah Animar is great with this um, there, yeah there are lots of ways for Ulamog to really get abused and of course 10 mana is really not that bad for this kind of effect it's incredibly well costed if you think if you just take parts of it 10 mana for a 10 10 cool 10 mana for a exile 2 target permanent uh, sorcery speed cast cool 10 mana 10 mana for a thing that attacks and mills them for yeah, 20. Yeah, it doesn't need to hit them. Oh, boy. Yeah, it uh, it's pretty good. It doesn't even mill. It's the It exiles the stuff off the top of their deck. So what is that even called? Is that mill? Yeah, it is. It's still mill in a way. Isn't it ingest? It's ingest, but it's like massive ingest because ingest doesn't have a number next to it. Ingest is only one card every time it deals it's damage. It's mass ingest or mega ingest. Mega ingest. That's probably what they'll name it because Megamorph, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because we know adding mega before the word makes it way cooler. Yeah. Doesn't so, make it lame at all. I played Melissa DeTora in the Community Cup, and she swung at me with this. And that was all she wrote. <laughs> and you lost. Yeah. And I lost. What happens when Ulamog swings at you? Oh, you lose. Yeah. That's what happens. In a limited game, you're the, you only have like 30 cards left in your library anyway. It's like, yeah, right. See you next turn. <laughs> See you never. I'm dead. See you uh, never. Next up, Munda, Ambish Lita. He's a two, a red, and a white. So a Boros commander, a three, four core ally. So... He has haste, and he also has rally. So whenever Munda or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may look at the top four cards of your library. If you do, reveal any number of ally cards from among them, then put those cards on top of your library in any order, and the rest on the bottom in any order. Wah, wah, wah. Wah. I was hoping they were going to say put them into your hand. It yeah. would solve one of our issues with Boros, which is card draw. Uh, instead, you just kind of stack the top of your library. Yeah, you get to have any number of them on the top of your library. So how it works, I think, is that if you get two, then Munda will forever keep triggering, pretty much. You, you know, you, yeah. you put one on the top, two on the top, you draw one, and then the next time you play, when you play that one, it definitely will trigger again. And so you you're trying to just another keep one, you... going forever with Munda, you know. Three, four for four, not very aggressively costed. Yeah, has haste. I'm I'm out on Munda. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if there is a way to pair it up with, with some kind of card draw, cause, but that's just so janky. But this is a Boros mechanic that involves you looking at the top of your library, which never really happens in red and white. Which usually like red and white doesn't care about too effect. much either. So there's yeah. a, I mean, there's probably some ways to abuse it. I don't know. Maybe Munda goes into an ally deck of 
of like a five color ally or a nigh ally or something but yeah uh, i don't know yeah, I, not, I don't see not, it not too excited this next guy though the, yeah the next one's interesting it's noyandar royal shaper cost three and azorius so three a white and a blue five total for a four four legendary creature merfolk ally hitting hey. two tribes there Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may put three 1-1 one, one counters on target land you control. If you do, that land becomes a 0-0 zero, zero elemental creature with haste that's still land, so it awakens a land. Um, notably, and something we didn't mention about awaken earlier, is you don't have to choose a new land every right. time you do it. So if you awaken and then you awaken again, you can choose to stack those counters on the land that was already awakened. So you can turn a 3-3 three, three into a 6-6 six, six if you want to. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, the and, problem with this, though, is that your lands are much more susceptible to death. Uh, yeah, because it's going to stink if you've turned like five lands into um, into creatures and then somebody Wrath of Gods. And not only do you lose all your creatures, but you also lose your ability to cast stuff. Yeah, if this was a gr- had green in it, uh, I wouldn't be as afraid to use this ability. Yeah. I'm interested to see the build around these here. Um, it could I'm, be a very fast deck, though. Yeah, that's true. You just cast a lot of really cheap stuff. But you have to get to five man in the first place to even cast this guy, so... Yeah, you get to five. It's just like a Titania. You got to get to five, which Titania is obviously in green, so that's yeah. easier. But still, and then you just start. Maybe play a bunch of artifacts so that those are a lot of... Because you don't want to be tapping your lands, turning your land those lands into creatures because then they're right. going to be tapped. They won't be able to attack. I don't know. Not, not It's interesting. I, I think this has some potential. It's not... I don't see it being like a super powerful general, but I think you can do it. It is Merfolk also, so you could go mm-hmm. in that direction. Yeah, with that, I actually kind of like that, uh, playing a blue-white Merfolk deck. Yeah, it gives you... A, yeah, exactly. And then you're just incidentally turning your lands sometimes into creatures, but that's not your main plan. Yeah, notably you can do this at instant speed, so you can do it to yeah. bring up a blocker or something. or you know. Yeah, surprise people, or do it on your end step. They don't know how many you're going to make, and you look around, everybody's tapped out, and you turn yeah. like... 10 of your lands into creatures and just kill everybody that could happen i mean that's sort of the marchesa too right if that land dies to get it back if you can put her in your five color deck yeah you'd have to make a five color marchesa Gosh, or the we're dreaming big here guys if you do make a five color number marchesa then you're definitely putting this next guy into it oh my gosh omnath locus of rage this is my pick for best general of the set i agree this thing is nuts and the art is cool you guys remember omnath was a mono green general that used to that that would store green mana Yep. And you could use it in other turns. Uh, this guy is three red, red, green, green. So he's grueling all over the place here. Seven mana total for a 5-5 five, five elemental legendary. Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a 5-5 five, five red and green elemental creature token onto the battlefield. Woo! And whenever Omnath or another elemental you control dies, Omnath deals three damage to target creature or player. That last part, see, with the first part, it's just a rampaging Bayloth that's yeah. making slightly bigger guys, five fives instead of four fours. But the fact that if they die, it just lightning bolts stuff. Yeah, and not just that, any elemental creature. So if you build an elemental deck, yeah. anything that dies, he's just boop, boop, boop. But you've seen with Titania how, like, very easy to make, yeah. like, 10, 12, with no help, just 10 or 12. And you're trying to sack lands to do it, too, which is arguably harder than what Omnath yeah, is doing Yeah, this is here. just put in a fetch land. There's two. Have exploration out. Do that a couple times. It's very easy. And now, yeah. even if they wrath, if you've got 10 dudes, that's just 30 damage to somebody's face. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, that's why Thunderbreak Regent was so good for that short period is because whenever someone targeted it, it would get hurt. So yep. no matter what, it was going to die. So, yeah, a Wrath of God is even better uh, for Omnath because... 
it doesn't matter. They weren't single targeted. Doesn't care. People will be scared to, and you're like, hey, if you wrath, I'll just point all of that damage at your face. Yeah. Or I have an instant speed sack outlet in this deck, as yep. you should if you built it. Um, Jason Alt built a version of this deck online as well, so you guys should check out that deck list. I am seriously considering changing Titania into Omnath once this set yeah. is out. I'm not sure because it is slightly different, but I bet about half of the shell would still work. I don't yep. know. Maybe I'll just build both and have both. I don't know. You should just build both. That currently is at the top of my build around me. I want to make a red-green deck off of Omnath. It doesn't feel like I need a Titania deck and that deck, though. Just have two lands matter decks? Yeah, it just feels like they're going to be play so similar that I... Dream big. Dream big. Keep building. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about, well, there's three new Planeswalkers in the set. Yeah, quote, unquote. Planeswalkers before, but... Sorry, I meant there were new Planeswalker cards for those Planeswalkers. (laughs) Did that make any sense? It didn't. Okay. Gideon, ally of Zendikar, is two and two white for a four loyalty planeswalker. I like this guy. Gideon's plus one is until end of turn, Gideon, ally of Zendikar, becomes a 5-5 human soldier ally creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. So plus one turns into a 5-5 that basically can't be touched. His zero is put a 2-2 white knight ally creature token onto the battlefield. So for zero, Gideon just makes two twos every turn. Yeah, four mana for a Planeswalker and a 2-2 is pretty good. If you think of something like Awakening Zone or Bitter Blossom, they both make, well, Awakening Zone makes a 0-1. Mm-hmm. Bitter Blossom makes a 1-1 flyer. You can literally play Gideon sort of like an enchantment and just zero him every turn and make a 2-2. That's pretty dang good. It's pretty good. And then he has negative four is you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus one, plus one. And again, he starts with four loyalty. So you can always just play him for four mana, immediately ultimate, get that emblem. And then your guys yeah. just have plus it's one, a, plus one for the rest of the game because you can't get rid of an emblem. It's a permanent anthem. Yeah. Pretty good. It's like honor of the pure, but it doesn't care what color your creatures are. Um, yeah. Nobody can like, you know, tranquility off the table yeah. or anything. So that's pretty, I think he's pretty good. I yeah, think he's really I, good. I think he's really good too. Um, just because uh, I have, you know, in my token deck, I actually play Soren, Lord of Innistrad, because he has one of his abilities is just he can pop out an emblem immediately, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. Uh, and he also puts out more tokens and stuff. But yeah, Soren and and this uh, Gideon remind me a lot of each other. I would totally play this in a token deck. Um, I would play this in just a deck that has or wants a lot of creatures, even if it's not a token deck. Yeah, that's true. Because, again, just making a 2-2 every turn is very strong, and a lot of times you're just going to want an emblem just right away, just for like, hey, because you would a lot of times just play an enchantment that cost four mana and gave all your creatures plus one, plus one for the rest of the game. Pretty Um, good. Yep, I like it. Yep. Uh, Next up, we have Obnixilis. Now, Obnixilis used to be a a human person, died, and then turned into this demon thing. My lore is totally off, but he lost his spark. He had his spark in the Commander 2014 set, and he reignited it. Here he is, three black black for a five loyalty planeswalker. Nixilis is the type, I guess. Uh, Plus one, draw a card, and you lose one life. So that's like um, Phyrexian Arena's effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Minus three, destroy target creature. Pretty good. And minus eight, a target opponent gets an emblem with whenever a player draws a card, you lose two life. So, so it's, yeah, around the table, that single player is getting 10. Like, if it's a four-player game, they lose eight life. Yeah, that's just pretty brutal. Rotation, yeah. Um, yeah. Including himself, which is nuts. I mean, being able to draw a card every turn is good. He costs five, and you can get that same plus one effect for three mana with Phyrexian Arena, like you said. But yeah. you do have different modes. Destroy target creatures is useful. Um, again, it's destroy. 
I'm, I think Obnixilis is fine. I just don't think he's amazing in any way. And no. yeah, he's, he's even the ultimate is like you said. Sure, it's going to do eight to him, but at that rate, they probably have three or four turns to kill you. Yeah, and Unless they're you definitely have, like, going to. If two people had uh, consecrated sphinxes going, they could just kill that person immediately, but. Yeah. You're not going to get to eight that often, I don't think, unless you're trying to sort of doubling season this guy out. And you're um, not going to get to eight while also two people have Consecrated Sphinx. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so the big thing is I wouldn't play this guy. I, I mean, yeah. He can fit into places, but I think he's just definitely more of a standard card right now. Yeah, I don't think he's like a top-tier EDH card in any way. Nope. All right, the last Planeswalker in the set is Kiora, Master of the Depths. She's looking super, super cool right now. She's she also is looking fossils. kind of like the like like alien. Yeah, <laughs> she got the long tail. She's a little scary. She's Actually, is that her a, tail? No, she's sitting on an octopus, and it's a freaking tidal wave crashing over her as she's oh. just hanging out under this wave with Thassa's Biden. All right, she's awesome. She's she costs two in Simic, so two a green and a blue for a four loyalty planeswalker. Kiora, her plus one, untap up to one target creature and up to one target land pretty good i mean it's a little bit of ramp it's yeah. not great um minus two reveal the top four cards of your library you may put a creature card and or a land card from among them into your hand put the rest into your graveyard Ooh. that's awesome minus two for potentially drawing two cards and it puts stuff in graveyard which is better than bottom of your library most of the time yeah agreed uh and then her ultimate negative say almost all the time actually yeah i would too especially since you're in, at least in blue which will like delve and stuff like that uh her negative eight her ultimate is you get an emblem with whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control you may have it fight target creature that's pretty good now this next part is not part of the emblem so it just happens once then you put three eight eight blue octopus creature tokens onto the battlefield so <laughs> <laughs> so you get an emblem it makes all your guys available to fight whenever they come into play it's a may and then you get three octopus yeah eight they eight, all just sit eights. there and they're ready and they i'm assuming fight three things when they yeah. come in that's flavor to the max that's um pretty strong ultimate i could see that happening she just like summons the power of the waves three octopus slam down the ground just swat three things out of the way yeah it's awesome let's not get caught up too much on the ultimate though because it's unlikely to happen all that often yep. however Kira, pretty good. If you listen to the show, you know all decks need two things: mm-hmm. mana ramp and card draw. Her plus one is mana ramp. Her minus two is card draw. Sold, done, signed, sealed, delivered. She's going in a lot of decks. Yeah. I think she's very good. Uh, she can untap Akira's follower. Yes, she can untap a fate stitcher. Yep. And then so you, you can, can get two lands out of it, just like Garrick Wildspeaker does. You can draw cards off her. I think she's very, very good. Yep, I'm definitely looking forward to playing her a lot. I hope she doesn't see much modern play, so it doesn't make her too expensive for me. Yeah, that's the <laughs> right now you've got to root for her to not be played in other formats yeah, so exactly. that the price stays reasonable. Um, speaking of price, I the, don't don't pre-order any cards from this set. Oh my gosh, do not. This is going to be the most open set in Magic's history. The fall set typically breaks the last year's record. This um, may actually stand for a couple years because of the expeditions. Yeah. It may outsell even what next fall set would outsell. It's going to just keep selling. Yeah. And Wizards will never stop printing uh, Battle for Zendikar while it's in standard. So you can get boxes next year. Easily. And that, what what's going to happen is with tons of it being opened, because of the expeditions, people are going to be like playing those lottery tickets the price of all the rest of the cards are going to be pushed down because mm-hmm. people, there's just going to be a glut of them. So do not, I just definitely planeswalkers. I, I would not pre-order or any mythics yeah. at all. 
the only thing that has a limited print run is just fat pack boxes um, because they only get printed once when the set comes out. So if you want to get those, then you have to hop on those and find those online or at your local big box retailer. All right. So let's talk about there's a cycle. Retreat. It's called the retreat cycle. So it's a cycle of enchantments, uh, one for each color. What a treat. And they all have landfall, which, as we remember, says whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you do something. And they are all modal. So what happens is white will have one, blue will have one, black will have one, and so on. And every time a land enters the battlefield, you get to choose between one of two things. So we're just going to talk about these really quick because they're EDHE type cards because they're just accrued value over the course of a long game. The white one, a retreat to Emeria, puts a 1-1 white ally creature on the battlefield or creatures you control get plus one, plus one till end of turn. So obviously very good in token decks. It does cost three and a white, so it's a little bit spendy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think in token decks, it's it's just really good because it's an anthem sometimes and sometimes yeah. it's a creature and you're going to play lands. So. You're always going to play lands. Um, the so- blue one is retreat to Coral Helm. Your choices are you may tap or untap target creature or you mm-hmm. can scry one. That's pretty good. Yep, I think it's sort of less good. I don't know. It is good. In blue, I mean, I just think every time I see blue and that I have something that works with Fade Stitcher, I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, the The problem with, like, tap somebody else's creature, I normally want to be able to do that on their turn to yeah. stop them from attacking me. Um, untap is great, but, again, you need something that cares if it's untapped. Yep. Scry one. Eh, it's a, it's good, but it's not insanely powerful. There are faster ways and better ways to get scrying. To draw cards and you're in blue. So yeah. I think Coral Helm is okay. Retreat to Hagra is the black version. Two in a black, uh, you get to choose when landfall happens. Target creature gets plus one, plus zero, and gains death touch until end of turn. Or each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. The second one, the each opponent loses one life, can actually add up pretty good, uh, you know. Yeah, if in you terms play, of just killing everyone fast. You only gain one life regardless of how much is lost by your opponents. Yeah, but you may do sort of six to seven damage to everyone over the course of the game. If that's four other players, this card could do 30 damage or so. That's pretty good for one card. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be best in a deck where you're trying to cheat out land, so like green-black or green-anything. I mean, black. all of these will be better in that case, but, you know, if you're in... If you're in mono black, you probably don't even play this card, but maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, Retreat to Valakut is the other one, or is the red one. It's two and a red. Your two choices are target creature gets plus two, plus O until end of turn, or target creature can't block this turn. I'm out. Don't like it. I mean, unless you're in a really big aggro deck, this just does nothing most of the time. And playing 1v1, I guess. I don't know. Uh, last one, retreat to Kazandu, Kazandu, two in a green. Uh, uh, you get to choose between put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, or you gain two life. Again, womp, womp womp, to the womp, second womp. one. I, I think even the first one, you know... The, There's both... so many ways to do plus one, plus one counters in green. Yeah. This is just not efficient. Think of the first three. The first three all do... You can. There's at least one mode where it does something, even if you've got nothing else on the board and nothing else going on. But like the red one and the green one both require things so the red one yeah. requires a lot it requires you to want to attack with a creature um the green one requires you to at least have a creature because gain two life who cares i don't i, I don't care don't. at all i don't it made me yawn actually like, <laughs> gain two life yawn <clears throat> all right we're gonna start with black first for our uh battle for zendikar set review oh my gosh we are one fifth of the way through it i think <laughs> yeah we're gonna go through uh each color then the colorless Ooh. then the artifacts then the lands and uh, and in multicolored this set... somewhere in there too oh true oh man okay 
Let's get going. Yep. All right. Gold draws Overseer. We're not going to spend much time on this guy. Flying 3-4 Vampire for 4 black black. Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield, you can control other creatures. You can control get plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. That lands a swamp. Those creatures get plus, those creatures get plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. Instead, bing, did it. Whew, just going to try to read these fast. Um, I don't know. It's a token deck card. Yeah. It just pumps your whole team. If you're in mono black, it's going to give plus 2, plus 0. Oh. It's okay. Yeah. Even if you're not mono black, it'll occasionally get plus 2, plus 0. Oh. Right, it's it. The next one is Defiant Bloodlord. It's seven drop, five and two black for a four five flying creature vampire. It says, whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. Hey, so, so this we is... know these go sort of infinite, although it's target opponent, so it's not all your opponents. Oh, interesting. But it does go in those life gain decks, Aloro yeah. type decks. You just need more ways to turn your life gain into damage. This is a way. Yeah, it's similar to uh, Sanguine Bond. Sanguine yep. Bond, yeah. Except that one's every creature or every player. Every which player, is pretty yeah. sweet. Uh, Zulaport Cutthroat, one in the black, one one human rogue ally. Whenever this creature or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So if you have a bunch of stuff Blood out, Artist, think, yeah, 2.0. Yeah. Blood oh, Artist, we know, is very, very good. Uh, a lot of infinite combos and a lot of like win condition combos include Blood Artist. If you have Blood Artist in your deck, you almost certainly want this also. Yeah. Uh, Vampiric Rites is the next one. It's one black for an enchantment. It says pay one and a black, sacrifice a creature. You gain one life and draw a card. Eh. This seems awesome to me. It seems awesome. You, you have to make sure the deck can support it. Well, any deck with creatures. Yeah. If your deck has creatures, like, if your deck's got eight creatures, do not play this card. If your deck's got 30 creatures or, you know, 27 creatures or is making tokens, then this card's awesome. Yeah, and as long as you have enough black mana to be able to do it two or three times if someone board wipes or whatever, then it's totally worth it. Yeah, I think even once once or twice, just you're going to draw four or five cards off something like this. That's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. You may draw like a ton more than that though. The big difference is if you're trying to trade off your creatures with your opponent's creatures, and this is not so good because you're not going to, you're going to be doing this before they die in combat or whatever. Usually you're going to do this if someone swings at you with something huge, you have to chump block. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to get extra value out of this creature for only two mana. Well, or you're going to do it when you have something like dictate of Erebos out right. or grave packed out, which most, most uh, black decks have, or you have shielded out and you just, you know, you're going to bounce that creature right back in. Yeah, uh, that's, that's yeah, true. Yeah, black just plays around so much in this space that I think this is another, you know, notch in the in the tool belt. Yeah, it's a big tool belt. It's like Batman's tool belt because it's black. Uh, complete Disregard is a two in the black instant. Devoid has no color. The card has no color. Exile target creature with power three or less. This is just on the list because black doesn't have much of, much to do with exiling creatures in mono black. Yeah. Um, Usually there's requires... like Silence the Believers. There's probably yeah. a couple others, but... Yeah, this is a good one. It's I don't know. I'd play Silence of Believers over this. I agree. Basically every time just because it doesn't have the power three or less restriction. But not everybody has every card. If you open this, it might it might be long in your deck. Basically, if you're playing a mono black deck and this is in there, I'll never look twice at it and be like, why is this here? You know, you could be like, you know, it works. It does what it needs to at instant speed. And it could get rid of cards like the Prophet of Crufix. We should say that the, um, that's, what was the name of it? Complete Disregard. It has Devoid. Yes. So technically, it's not. We're in black still because it has a black in it, pip in its casting cost, but it's a colorless spell. Yeah. You can cast it through Iona. <laughs> so another Devoid card, in fact, these next three are, is Smothering Abomination. Smothering Abomination is two and two black for a 4 3 Eldrazi, but it has Devoid, so it's technically colorless. Has flying. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. Sounds bad. 
Whenever you sacrifice a creature, draw a card. Nice. That's awesome because that's not tied exactly to the first ability. Yes. It, it's just anytime you sack a creature. So if you have, Frexen for instance, Vampiric Rites out, oh, hey. and you sack a creature to draw a card and gain a life, you also get to draw an additional card because of Smothering Abomination. Seems very, very good. Yeah, it seems good, especially if you have some way of consistently putting out uh, creatures. Yep. And worst case scenario, you just sack it to itself and then draw a card, yeah. and it replaces itself. You only need to do this two or three times to really, I think, get the full value from it. Because yeah. then you also have a creature on the board that stops people from attacking you and all that stuff. Uh, Grip of Desolation. Four black, black for an instant. Devoid. This card has no color. Exile, target creature, and target land. So again, another mono black exile effect. Pretty sweet. Uh, twice as much mana and uh, pips as uh, complete disregard uh, a much better card though i think because it has no restrictions and you can get a land with it and it's an instant yes well i mean uh, uh complete disregards an instant too oh right right right. But, um yeah i mean and how often and if you're sitting there and you're black there are get rid of land cards but there's not a lot of instant ones and a lot of them are like sinkhole and they're super expensive yeah so this is just like Maze of Ith gone and that creature you know yeah there are so many times when the Maze of Ith just completely destroys your strategy also it kills iona yeah. Because it's got Devoid. So, yes. So that's, Iona Killer. That's an important thing. It should be a category for that. Uh, I wonder if... I mean, they just reprinted Iona twice. So maybe they were thinking about it. <laughs> uh, the last Very corner case. <laughs> I hope they were. Uh, yeah, they probably don't care about Commander <laughs> quite enough to do that. Um, the last card is Mind Raker. Rake the Mind. Is that like Moonraker? <laughs> the Moon awesome James Raker. Bond movie. Okay, Mindraker is three and a black for a three three. It has Devoid. It says when Mindraker enters the battlefield, you may put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard, so it processes. And if you do, each opponent discards a card. Each opponent. Interesting. So you you don't have to discard. Everybody else does. Yeah. As long as somebody's got something exiled. Now this is a good flicker target. Yeah. As Usually in EDH games, something is going to be exiled. Somebody path to exile somebody, or merciless eviction, or we could just go on and on. Yeah. But or they uh, delved something away. Even if they oblivion ring something, that's technically an exile. Oh, that's right. Oh, you can get you can rid of it. it. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah. So um, yeah, I would play a lot of these ingest cards. Or, sorry, the processor cards uh, because it's EDH. I stuff. think Grip of Desolation may be my top pick. It's pretty good. It's out a land of, out of this grouping, and a creature. It exiles, and it's colorless. Yeah, I think if I could include a legendary creature, I think Drana would be better because um, it's... But Drana is only going to go in certain decks. I would put True. Grip of Desolation in any mono black deck for sure and probably most decks that have black because Iona... Yeah, and the fact that you can get that land. Uh, you, I mean, yep, it, that's... I'd rather play this than have a shaky mana base because I'm putting in my strip mines and stuff. No, I mean, I'm playing strip mine too. I still play strip mine, but you know, I'm just for the people that. But don't so have often mine. there's that maze of ith, and you only have strip mine in your entire deck that can yeah. handle it, and now you have another way to handle it. That's just better chance you'll draw it. Yep, and you know, the more EDH you play, I think you'll find that you're going to come across more and more crazy lands, and it's always just good to have. It's one of those things that you start putting into your decks, and this is a great card because it can do two things. Yeah. So, All right. On to white. Uh, quarantine Field. This thing is a beating XX white white. So uh, whatever the X number is, you have to pay it twice. So if you pay two mana, X is equal to one. Quarantine Field enters the battlefield it's a, with... Huh? It's an enchantment. Oh, it's say. an enchantment, right. Uh, it's The art is really cool, too. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, quarantine Field enters the battlefield with X isolation counters on it. When Quarantine Field enters the battlefield for each isolation counter on it, exile up to one target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Quarantine Field leaves the battlefield. 
So it says up to because this is always going to be in even numbers, and sometimes there'll be an odd number of things that you're trying to get rid of. And you can just be like, whatever, I only get rid of three. I don't have yeah, to get so rid of the fourth. Four or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the way this breaks down is for four mana, you get one thing. For six mana, you get two. And every two thereafter, you get one more. So for eight mana, you get three. Ten mana, you get four. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, speaking of silence of the believers it's similar although i think silence of the believers only does creatures this does any non-land permanent yeah that's insane and this will also just kill tokens if you have like someone that's a merit lage out there quarantine field you know yep uh it does notably stay on the battlefield and if they get rid of the quarantine field the stuff comes back so yep. that's the downside but seems very good because the longer the game goes on the more powerful it gets and, and you're always going to find good targets for it that are like tokens or things that are resetting a creature a lighthouse chronologist that's fully leveled up or whatever and so often you're like uh i, w- I want to get rid of that artifact that enchantment and those two creatures but that's gonna like i have a wrath of god that'll only take care of the creatures not right. the artifact enchantment this is just like that thing that thing that thing that thing done yeah and sometimes you only need to get rid of one or two things to destroy someone's combo piece yep you know and that's totally worth it i would pay a lot of mana to stop someone from going infinite and winning the game all right the next one is oh this thing's a house uh ameria shepherd it's five and two white for a four four flying angel very holy has landfall hold on strap in here this is crazy When a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may return target non-land permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. So landfalls sort of e-witnesses a, a permanent, a non-land yeah. permanent. Enchantments but, count? Correct. But that's not all, folks. If the land is a plains, you may return the non-land permanent card to the battlefield instead. Whoa. What? There's this some... is a landfall trigger. This is not like a thing that happens one time. Yeah. This is like I cast a Mary Shepard drop a land if it's a planes put something from my graveyard directly into play and then if you don't kill it next turn i do that again yeah iona yeah and uh, oh let's say i have i don't know Walker? exploration or azusa or you know something that puts a land directly into play because it's an instant or sorcery spell kadama's reach or something mm-hmm. i mean this card to me is very very good yeah it's super powerful seven mana is a lot to pay but again, you're going to be abusing the crap out of this. You can pop planeswalkers back into play, enchantments. There's creatures. no restriction on the casting cost of the thing, though. So if you played seven mana that you get out of your graveyard, yeah. drop a planes, you could get uh, Ulamog, the new one. The new one, yeah. Out of your graveyard and put it into play. So did that really cost you seven mana? Because you just cheated a 10 mana thing into play. Like, it's yeah. insanity. It's also so good you can get illegal cards, too. You can just pull a Grizzlebrand out of your graveyard with this thing. <laughs> no, I'm not sure that's how it works. That's not how it works. <laughs> no. Okay. How did know. Grizzle get into your graveyard to begin with? Cheaty face. Cheaty face, there. Yeah, yeah. Cheaty, cheaty threw him in there, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is a reprint, an exciting one, because this card actually was getting up there in price, but now it is going to go back down. Felidar Sovereign, 4 white, white, 4, 4, 6, Vigilance, Lifelink. I saw this have some limited play over the weekend, by the way, and every single time it just took over the game. I mean, just 4, 6, Vigilance, Lifelink, and Limited is kind of broken. Yeah. Um, but so then... <laughs> it's a cat beast. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 40 more life, you win the game. Yeah. Woo! Not my favorite card. No, it's kind of boring. Uh, it's a boring win condition. Now, however, if you're like at 10 life, and then you play this thing, and you're like, bring it, and you get up to 40 life, and you win, then props, man. You, you Mad props it. to you, bro. Dang. Um, but if you flash this in on the end step before your turn, that's fine. You did win. Yeah, it's just a, that's just a big groan fest for me. It's like, meh, okay. I mean, that's when I'm going to shuffle up and play the same deck I just played because uh, so that I can play it. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
The next one is, oh, we saw this do some work at the Community Cup. Planar yeah. Outburst. This card's great. It's the uh, Wrath effect. It's three and two white for a sorcery. Destroy all non-land creatures. Non-land. But it has Awaken four, and for that you Awaken pay. for what? <laughs> it's Awaken four, number four. Sorry. Awaken the number four. So if you pay the... Uh, Why does number four uh, need to be... Okay, I'm <laughs> If you pay the additional, you're... Uh, 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 <laughs> I threw mm, you off. Uh, you got me. <laughs> it has Awaken four, and you pay five and three white for that. So if you pay five and three white, you destroy all non-land creatures, but you also turn one of your lands into a four-four. Pretty cool. Um, also, it destroys non-land creatures, so it won't destroy that four-four. Yeah. It's pretty good. I don't know how much awakening we're going to be doing, but if people are doing those um, turn my lands into creatures type decks, yeah. this is an auto include. Yeah, I think this is just going to see more standard play than anything else. It's a cool ward wipe because it says destroy all non-land creatures, so I'm sure there are some decks that are going to be like, oh, yeah, heck yeah. I'm, all I'm doing is animating my lands or whatever. Right, or if you use Nissa and there's some other things that turn lands into yeah. creatures. So, yeah, it'll be interesting in standard. Yeah, and like we said before, uh, the awaken cost, if you just pay it exactly you're not, and you use lands to do it, you're not going to be able to swing with that land. So you can read all the awaken costs with an extra one colorless at the end of it if you want the land to be able to swing in, if that makes sense. Yeah, that same turn. Yeah. All right. And, of course, there are uh, lots of corner cases for that as well, but I'm not going to go into them because I don't know them, and I'll leave you guys in the chat to tell me. Hero of Goma Feda. Fada. Thank you for that explanation. Yeah, right. Four and a white for a Goma, four. Go, it's not Goma Mutta. It's Goma Fada. <laughs> Goma Fada. He's the uh, the Goma daddy. That's it. Every set has one thing that we add father You're or either daddy Either my Mutta or my Fada. And this is the hero of Goma daddy. Four and a white for four, three. Human Knight ally has rally. 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 Whenever hero of Goma daddy or another ally enters the battlefield and earn your control, creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn indestructible hey. i'm ron burgundy i'm ron burgundy uh this to me reads flash in the creature that has an ally and then uh resist the board wipe or flash in hero of goma daddy yeah right just flash him in instead i yeah. think this card is actually reasonable to include all by itself mm-hmm. even without a bunch of allies in like token decks um especially you can give it flash but even not a lot of times you're just like i'm gonna swing with everything i'll drop this right before i do it so all my stuff lives um yeah it's usable yeah. And in an ally deck, it's, it's auto-include. It looks like he's riding the uh, Felidar Sovereign, by the way. Oh, is that what he's riding? Yeah, he's his daddy. He's like, Felidar Sovereign, I'm your daddy. Oh, it does look like it. That could just be another cat beast. You don't know. It's true. There are a lot of cat beasts for the allies. Hey, we're done with white and black. So we're making good time. Uh, okay, moving on to blue. The first card is Guardian of Tazim. Tazim. It's three and two blue for a four-five flying creature sphinx well we always gotta have sphinx uh, i love me some sphinxes after yeah you do weekend yeah when it has landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control tap target creature and opponent controls if that land is an island that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step so it yeah. sleeps something if it's an island and if not it just taps something it's eh. yeah you're gonna want to have a deck like burgeoning where you can just be tapping everything down it's, it's not very like, it's not very good. It'd be kind of fun in a stasis E deck, but it just costs a lot for yeah. what it's trying to do. Yeah. Um next up we got Ugin's Insight. Now I'm actually pretty excited about this. Mm-hmm. Uh three blue blue sorcery. Uh Scry X, where X is the highest converted mana cost among permanents you control, then draw three cards. Scry X is really powerful. If you have a three drop, you get a scry three. You look at the top three cards of your library and choose where they go. Pretty powerful. If you have a five drop or a six drop, you look at the top six. 
pick which three you're going to draw. Yeah. You can either put the other three on the bottom, or you can do things that Blue likes to do, like stack the top of your deck. Oh, gosh. So a lot of times you can look at, like, say, let's say the top six cards, mm-hmm. put three into your hand, and then put the one you want to, you know, cheat in for free with Narset yeah. on top. Yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, I think this card is going to see a lot of play. Yeah, especially because Narset is what she's five mana. So you would if you played Narset or no, she's six mana. Yeah. If you played Narset and then d- did this, you it's could six. Yeah, you can definitely fix the top of your deck. Um, it's one of those cool ways because there aren't you know you can't have a billion scroll racks in every deck. So this is another way to really help stack the top of your deck. Scry oh, X is always. Imp- I wish really I could powerful. have a billion scroll racks though, but the <laughs> deck would just be so tall <laughs> that I couldn't shuffle it. Yeah, but every time you scroll rack, you knew you'd at least find like another ten scroll racks. So <laughs> only ten. Yeah, you're never in short supply. <laughs> All right. Um, the next one is Prism Array. It's four and a blue for an enchantment. It has Converge, our first instance of Converge. Hey. So Prism Array enters the battlefield with a crystal counter on it for each color of mana spent to cast it. Crystals. So it comes in with five counters because you... you're not playing this card unless you're in a five color deck. <laughs> yep. It says, remove a crystal counter from Prism Array, tap target creature. At least you can do it at instant speed. Uh-huh. You can only do it a maximum of five times, but whatever. But then it says, pay Wooberg, scry three. This card is so weird. <laughs> it is a totally weird card. How is I'm... this in a draft set? What are we supposed to do with this? When you open this in your pack, you just You're supposed go... to pass it. Yeah. yeah. Even if you were like the perfect Converge deck in draft, you would never play this. No. it's You, just, you definitely just pass it to the next... Uh, to the next player. I mean, Scry 3 is pretty good, though, if you yeah. have Wooberg available, but it's five mana, and you have to... I mean, I would do it at the end, obviously, on your someone's end step, but... I don't actually think it's playable, but, uh, you know, I'm the Wooberg guy, so I had to mention the card that has Wooberg in it. Yeah, pretty interesting. Sweet. Uh, very interesting. All right, uh, Halimar Tidecaller, two in the blue for a 2-3 creature human wizard ally. Let's add some more tags on there. When Halimar Tidecaller enters the battlefield, you may return target card with Awaken from your graveyard to your hand. And land creatures you control have flying. So uh, I, I'm more interested in the second bit here. Land creatures you control have flying. That's kind of cool. If you have man lands or folk lands or whatever in mm-hmm. your deck, they all have flying. Uh, and if you play a lot of Awaken, I, I know a lot of people like to build new EDH decks. Yes, decks exactly. Come out, so this would be a really fun inclusion in sort of a uh, less expensive uh, EDH deck based on Battle for Zendikar in the current block. It's value. It's sort of like Archaeomancer, you know, a yeah. little bit, but not not even close to as good. Um the next one is Cryptic Cruiser. So three and a blue. He's for... trying to be Treasure Cruise, but real cryptic about it. He's, he's like, I am on a boat. <laughs> he's like wearing like a freaking... The boat is very large. Octopus on them or something. It might be in the Caribbean. <laughs> it's looking for treasure. What am I on? Uh, cruise? They correct. Nah. Three and a blue How for a... Of you. <laughs> three and a blue for a three, three. <laughs> Why did you just come out and say it? I'm being cryptic. <laughs> Three and a blue for a 3-3 Eldrazi processor. Has Devoid, so it's colorless. It says, pay two and a blue, put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard, tap target creature. Hey. Hey. Not that good, but you could use it. Not that good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, blue has some other fun cards. We won't mention them now. Uh, hopefully, you guys will make some some sweet combos there's with them. There's some other processors that you could potentially maybe Yeah, there's like a converge use. control magic, but then you'd just be like, why not just play Treasury? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Because uh, if you don't have treachery, that's why. That's you right. Play it, you just so. play control magic yeah. then. Yeah. Or you play domestication and not have to worry about playing Wooberg. Some people maybe just started playing it like Dragons of Tarkir. They don't have all that stuff yet. Yeah. So. I just feel like if you're just starting playing and you're trying to make a converge deck, you're probably not going to have as yeah. much fun as someone that owns original dual lands or just has more lands to put into their decks. Although you have plenty of fixing in these last few sets. so Especially don't, this set. Yeah. Don't let me dissuade you. Uh, green Warden of Murasa. Oh, four green, yeah. green for a five, four elemental. Boom. This thing is, uh, uh, what should we call it? We should call it a double eternal witness. Double eternal witness. Oh, it's a terrible the name. even more eternal witness. Yeah. Eternaler. Eternaler. That's just horrible. Yeah. Um, uh, immortal witness. Immortal witness. Kind of, yeah, in a way. So, uh, <laughs> this, this is all bad. Yeah, when Green Warden of Marasa enters the battlefield, you may return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So that is actually just the double the mana cost of a um, eternal, eternal witness. witness. Yeah. However, when Green Warden of Marasa dies, you may exile it if you do return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So you can just eternal witness when it enters the battlefield and when it quote unquote dies. Yeah. Uh, and it exiles itself can... so you can't reanimate it or whatever and just yeah. go nuts. You can always flicker it and still get the Eternal Witness thing. It's very, very powerful just to be able to do that thing twice. Yeah, having another source of an Eternal Witness in my deck is awesome. Sometimes I do play E-Witness and be like, man, I wish I could bring two things back. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Yep, very, very good. The next card, it's Undergrowth Champion. Looks a lot like the Green Warden Marasa. These guys are both just elements They're related. made of trees. Yeah, they're related. It, Undergrowth Champion is related to the, um, what did we call it? Immortal Witness. Immortal Witness, yeah. All right. Undergrowth Champion, one and two green for a 2-2 two, two. Uh, elemental. If damage would be dealt to Undergrowth Champion while it has a plus one, plus one counter on it, prevent that damage and remove a plus one, plus one counter from Undergrowth Champion. Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Undergrowth Champion. So this is oh, sort cool. of a blocks all day, mm-hmm. can't take damage type of thing. Yeah, it's nice. He works really well on defense um, and offense as well. Uh, I could see him seeing a lot of play in standard, maybe. Yeah, it's a very sort of efficient type of card that standard will like. And it's one of those things that scales really well, especially if you're playing a landfall deck, which I hope to see a little bit of, because I think landfall is a really cool sort of EDH-y combo-y thing where it's like, I'm going to cheat a bunch of lanes into play. I'm going to fetch land and play two lands in the same turn because of it and just really get powerful decks because of it. I think that'd be really sweet. All right, the next one. Beast Caller Savant. It's one in a green for a 1-1 Elf Shaman Ally. Wow. it's a lot of tribes. Ally. Ally. Elf Shaman Eli. <laughs> it has haste. It says tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast creatures. So it's just sort of a, another Birds of Paradise. Not as good, but it does have haste. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The haste actually does help it quite a bit and brings it close to maybe a Sylvan Carry added. Not as good, again, but not everybody's got Sylvan Carry added. I think that this definitely belongs in a lot of green decks uh, that can't afford or don't yet have Birds of Paradise type stuff. As some people have noticed, that is, I believe, the uh, Lotus Cobra on his arm wrapped around him. Oh, totally makes sense. Yeah, right? He's the uh, the newer version of it. Gotcha. Lotus uh, Cobra's better. Yeah, right. Nissa's Renewal, five and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to three basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. You gain seven life. This is the type of spell that we can only get away with playing in our format. It's still not great, but it is super ramp. Yeah, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if this saw standard play too. Yeah, maybe. Getting seven life is pretty sweet. Um, Getting the three lands so that the next turn you can cast your Ulamog or whatever you're trying to do is pretty cool too. 
Um, I just think you're probably going to play See the Unwritten instead. Yeah, I agree with that. Just get the thing directly. And it's only one less. So, but maybe. What do I know about Standard? Nothing. That's what. <laughs> yeah, neither of us are just like, it could see play in Standard and have a, like a 50-50 shot yeah. of being correct and being like, yeah, I totally called it. I know. I know, I know Standard. To. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally win a GP if I felt like it. Yeah, right? Runner, uh, runner, runner is all I think about when, when it comes to GPs <laughs> and standard. We've told that story before. Yes, we have. Uh, the next one is a reprint, but it's a very good card. It's Sylvan Scrying. So one in a green for a sorcery. It says, search your library for a land card. Not basic, just a land. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. This card gets you Cabal Coffers. It gets you Maze of Ith, mm-hmm. It gets you Strip Mine. It gets you all kinds of things that you're the type of things that are you're like I need that right now. Yeah, yeah. This it's a card, land tutor. This card sees play in like Eldrazi green decks in modern as well, um, just because you're trying to get very specific lands. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a quality reprint that sees play in a lot of different formats, and it's actually pretty good. You know, I would totally play this in an EDH deck if I needed to find certain lands at certain Glacial times. Chasm. Yeah, I will play this in a lot of EDH. Or decks. I mean, mine. I play. What's the, um, is it our Millery Sphere? No, Expedition Map, yes. which is basically the same thing, but it costs one more mana. Yeah. And it has to sit out there being, like, susceptible to removal. Ooh, this is an exciting one. This is probably my favorite card in the set. Yeah, especially for Commander. Well, yep. I, I think I, I it is. Know. I think as the, the Timmy and me wants to say, Ulamog is my favorite. Yeah, but I think this card's literally going to go into every deck I have with green. Oh, there's no reason it shouldn't. It's so good. Um, I mean, Awakening Zone is already in basically every green deck that I have. So Yeah. So this is Awakening Zone uh, plus one. Uh, it's three in the green instead of two in the green, which is Awakening Zone. It's called From Beyond. From Beyond. Uh, it's an enchantment devoid. This card has no color. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi sign creature token on the battlefield. It has sacrifice this creature, add one colorless to your mana pool. So instead of putting out zero ones, it puts out one ones. Here's the best part, though. For one in the green at instant speed, sacrifice from beyond the enchantment. Search your library for an Eldrazi card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So it also tutors. Yeah. For an Eldrazi. Um, it costs one more mana than Awakening Zone. Totally worth it. But your dudes are one ones instead of zero ones, and then sometimes you can just sack it and tutor for an Eldrazi. Yeah, that is... I mean, the idea, I'm guessing, is that you have this going for a while, have a bunch of guys, and then when you're ready, you sack it, get the Eldrazi, and cast it with all your signs you had. Yeah. Um, I mean, Awakening Zone is already totally playable, and I think a very good card. I think I had it in my top 10 green cards in EDH total, and From Beyond, I believe, is slightly better than Awakening Zone. Yeah, I agree. So this is a top 10 green card. We did it. Time to record the episode again. (laughs) What are we doing? What are we doing? What are Um, we doing? Yeah, very much like this card. uh, Excited to put it in all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and this one will probably see a higher price point than the rest because I think the casual demand for this card is going to be super high. Just wait. You think it's going to be standard playable (laughs) since we've established Mm, we can't answer these questions? No. I don't know. Bitter Blossom. Bitter Blossom. But this costs four mana. I don't know. It just depends on how much ramp there is available. Yeah. Because now we don't have, you know, cards like So and Carry Added or Elvish yeah. Mystic. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see what we can do. I think Red Green Devotion is just gone forever right now. We will see. Yep. Okay. Well, Devotion is definitely to, gone. <laughs> oh, we're, we're blown through it. We're on to our final color here. Of course, we still have colorless, multicolored artifacts and lands. But still, we're on red. This next one's a reprint also, but it's awesome. It's Dragon Master Outcast. It's one red for a 1-1 human shaman. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control six or more lands, put a 5-5 red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. That means every upkeep, uh, every of your upkeep, 
Mm-hmm. You're just going to get another 5-5 five, five, as long as you have six lands or more. That's cool. It's kind of like it's putting in, a, good. putting in a Shivan Dragon for you, kind of. Yeah, without yeah, fire breathing, but it still. Because it costs six mana yeah. normally to get a 5-5 five, five Dragon or whatever. And this is something you can play earlier on turn one that will have an effect on turn seven. So yeah. it's a I very good card. I on turn one. <laughs> no, because why? It's just going to die. But you'll turn it, play it on turn five. Yep, yep. Or turn, you know, whatever. Play this in a deck that has multiple upkeep triggers. Oh, Paradox Haze. Paradox Haze, baby. So good. Oh, that card. Um, Yep, this card. In fact, the art on this card is in our background, too, because it's got the shaman with the dragon flying in the clouds above it. Such a cool art. Yeah, um, I definitely uh, like this card a lot. It speaks to my red timminess, for sure. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, Akum Firebird. Firebird. Akum Firebird. This card is actually designed by a guy I went to high school with. I met him. Yeah, you when you were over there. Yeah, yeah. He came right up to me and was like, hey, I know Josh. I went to high school with him. I was like, what? His name is John Stone. Thanks, so, dude. It was really great meeting you if you listen to the podcast. Yeah, he, he works on the Wizards website. But the good thing about Wizards is that um, people can still get involved with R&D, um, even if they're not in the R&D department. And this was a design that he submitted, and it got turned into a mythic freaking card. Yeah, pretty so, sweet. So good job, John. Uh, it will be standard playable. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, two and red red for a creature phoenix that's a 3-3 three, three with flying and haste, like most. Uh, so a four mana 3-3 three, three flying haste. Yeah, most. Pl- totally playable and yeah, standard totally for sure. Totally playable. And then, uh, of course, like most phoenixes these days, uh, a Coom Firebird attacks each turn the fable. It's better being a deck we're trying to attack each turn. <laughs> uh, landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay four red red if you do return a Coom Firebird from your graveyard to the battlefield. So for six mana, you get it back. Yeah, as long as you hit your landfall. Yep. Value. Yeah. You can play and the you six can, land and do it, right? And then attack with it on that turn, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it's just a value type card. It's probably not super great in EDH. Yeah, there have been a billion of these phoenixes yeah. in the past. Uh, just pick the one that fits your deck the best. If your deck's about lands, then this is probably the one that you want. Honestly, if John didn't des- design it, I probably wouldn't have mentioned it. But <laughs> he did, so we did. Uh, Akum Hellkite is the next one. Four and two red for a creature dragon. Four, four flying. Has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, the Hellkite deals one damage to target creature or player. But if that land is a mountain... It deals two damage to that creature or player instead. Oh, very cool. This is actually, I think, surprisingly good, especially if you're cheating lands into play in any way. But even if you're not, just think you put this out. It's not going to be super threatening. And then over the course of the next two, three turns, you just get to like zap a couple of utility creatures. It's pretty good. If you have Valakut out as well and you're playing a deck with Valakut in it, and then, then it's a mountain, and you're just going. Oh, then you're just zapping big creatures. Yeah, you're you're hitting things, or just or face face. Yep, just face it. Yep, creature or player is one of those again important things. Uh, tunneling geopede. <laughs> this card's name is so funny. Uh, two and a red for a three-two creature insect. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, tunneling geopede deals one damage to each opponent. That's um pew 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 pew. Yep. And something like Perforos or something that's already just hitting everybody all the time. Like right, yeah. just, you know, an extra four or five damage might do something. It's not awesome, but I can see it getting a little bit of play, doing some stuff. Uh the next one is Rolling Thunder. Ugh, I it's, lost this card a lot. This card is broken in um limited. It's probably better than most of the mythics, actually. <laughs> It's uh, it's red, red, and X. It says Rolling Thunder deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or players. 
Whoa. So big mana decks, they're just creating a lot of mana. This is the type of card that has the ability to sort of fireball, but mm-hmm. even more efficiently, just kill two or three pit players or kill six different creatures. Um, so often in a game two, you're just, you have, you look down and you're like, man, I'm producing so much mana. What if I had a fireball in my deck? Yep. Rolling Thunder is better than Fireball. That happens all the time whenever I play my mono red deck. I'm like, I have 14 mana, 15 mana. Like, what do I do? Draw a card. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I just have a Fireball in here? Yep, pretty much. Uh, Nettle Drone is an inclusion on here. Two and a red for a 3-1 creature Eldrazi Drone. It's Devoid. This card has no color. You can tap it. Nettle Drone deals one damage to each opponent. And whenever you cast a colorless spell, untap Nettle Drone. Uh, I put this in here because it actually goes infinite when you have Ancestral Statue and Animar. Yeah, or really, you can go infinite with like Cloudstone, Curio, mm-hmm. Animar, even if they have something like Maze of Ith or, you know, Constant Mists, which we talk about a lot, yeah. that's going to make it so you can't attack. This is a way to beat them because you're going to play that colorless creature over, over and, and over, over, untapping the... Nettle Drone. Yeah, the Nettle Drone and just continuing to ping them. So. Yep, as soon as it untaps, you tap it again and does one damage to each opponent, which is kind of cool because it yep. you know, hits everyone. So Yeah, exactly. So it's a way to just kill everybody. Um, always have a way to defeat your opponents that's you know that's different than your main way. Yeah. So if you're going to most of the time win by attacking, have a way in your deck to defeat people without attacking because sometimes decks will be built so that you cannot attack. Uh, this next one... Turn against. It's four and a red for an instant. It has devoid. It says gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. Because it's an instant, it's like ray of command. Very, very powerful effect uh, in magic is to be able to steal something at instant speed. You can do all kinds of crazy things. The least of which is just grab one of their creatures to block their other creature that's attacking you. Yeah, and hopefully both of them die would be sweet. Yep. But there are a lot of other things you can do. It's way better than your normal Mm -hmm. um, threat and effect. Yeah, it's cool because it's just instant, and usually threatened effects are three mana. This is just five mana. Um, Yeah, this card uh, is also very first pickable in uh, Battle for Zendikar. This and Rolling Thunder are both sort of the mythic uncommons that people have been saying. And they're both in red. Yeah, however, it is easier to play against uh, once you know it's there, but it's still just a huge pain in the butt. There are times even then when you're just like, well, I can't attack. Yeah. Like, I have two creatures. And either one will eat the other, so I can never attack if yeah. they just leave five mana open. Yeah, and they, if they have like a nettle drone or whatever, they just keep pinging you on the turn. Pretty, Pretty cool. Hard. All right. Oh, this next one is weird, weird, weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a card. <laughs> it's, it does stuff. It does a lot of stuff, actually. This is like the hate drowsy, I guess, because it it's not like necessarily hate drowsy. Yeah, it, was well, not a bear. It's not a bear. Yeah, it's definitely not a bear. It's the void winnower. Dun dun dun. This thing looks massive, according to the art. It's like towering over mountains. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice the scale, but yeah. Yeah, it's a 9-drop. It's an 11-9 creature Eldrazi. Your opponent can't cast spells with even converted mana costs. Uh, zero is even, so if it just costs X, then you can't cast what? it. What? Your opponents can't block with creatures that have even converted mana costs. And I'm assuming zero is still even. Yep. So tokens can't block. Uh, yep. Um wow mm, yeah so what if nice. i have a spell hold on and it costs six mana can i cast it uh converted mana cost is even nope okay what if i have wrath of god that costs four can i wrath and get rid of this thing you unfortunately may not sir uh, what if i have supreme verdict that can't be countered it mm, costs four no this kind of just overrules the whole thing boy this card is annoying yeah so winter war is like someone i, I guess if you guys remember guilt leaf winter war it was in uh um origins it killed something that had a 
a converted man or a power and toughness that were not the same. Mm-hmm. So kind of the same idea here with the Void Winnower. Uh, this thing is nuts because uh, it doesn't affect you. You can still do whatever you want, but it just stops half of their deck. 50% of their deck, yeah. And if their uh, commander is co- uh, even converted mana oh, cost too. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, this card sucks. It's At great. least Path to Exile and Short Splashers can get it. What are you talking about? This card is awesome. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, it sucks when you have it and I don't. That's a very good point. When I have it on the table, it's awesome. <laughs> wow. uh, all right. The next one is Conduit of Ruin. It's a six drop, 5-5 five, five Eldrazi. When you cast Conduit of Ruin, you may search your library for a colorless creature card with converted mana cost seven or greater. Reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. And the first creature spell you cast each turn costs two colorless less to cast. So this is how you're going to cheat out Eldrazi in standard. And this is just how you're going to go find Blightsteel or Kozilek yeah. or Ulamog in an EDH and then cast it next turn and kill everyone. Yep. Yep, it's just a tutor on a stick. Um, and it reduces the casting cost of the thing you went and got. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, it does put it to the top of your deck, so it's like a, right. a specific tutor. That it's like a vampiric a, tutor. A vampiric, yeah. But it's Which still, is still like a $30 card. Oh my gosh. It's any creature card that's colorless was converted that cost seven or greater, so you can fetch out a whole number of things. Yep. Uh, yeah, this card's really powerful because it just makes everything cheaper, too. And it's a six mana 5-5, five, five, which isn't that bad to begin with. Uh, yeah, the game I lost to Melissa Datora, she cast this and found Ulamog and then cast that. Yeah, she also had From Beyond, so she kind of just had five rares on the table, I think, against me at one point. Her deck sounds like it was better than you. She's yeah. also Melissa Datora, so she's also a better player than you. I know, I know. <laughs> so it's like, not only that are you playing against somebody who's like yeah. one of the better players in the world. Double whammy. Also just has better cards in their deck. Well, that's probably why, you know. You yeah, know. that's definitely why I lost the, the cards, not the player yeah. status yeah. and skill level. Yeah, Come on, had she's... nothing to do with the fact that she's a good, really nothing. good magic player. Yeah, no, she's never a top eight of the Pro Tour. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, pretty awesome. All right, Oblivion Sower is next. Uh, this is actually uh, Glenn Jones, who used to be a host on the Masters of Modern. Uh, this is his favorite card from the set. It's pretty cool. It was the first card spoiled, I believe, from the set. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, it's really good. Six mana, five eight. When you cast Oblivion Sower, target opponent exiles the top four cards of his or her library. Then you may put any number of land cards that player owns from exile onto the battlefield under your control. So early game, this will probably just net you one two lands. Uh, late game, if they've been delving stuff away, you could drop like eight lands <laughs> all at once. It could be insane. I think in most games, it's probably going to get you one or two lands. Yeah. There's not a lot of games where there's like a whole bunch of lands in exile somewhere, but you never know. Once in a while, if yeah. you built your deck and you have a lot of ingest, uh, then you might be able to do it. And again, if they do have delve, um, not to mention you have to cast it, so you can't blink this guy and get the effect. Yeah, uh, not like prime time. But uh, he's like a fair prime time. Yeah, very, very fair. I don't think it's even in the same league as prime time. I, I like this card. I don't believe it's amazing. I think your deck has to be pretty specific to want it. Yeah. Because sometimes it'll just get you nothing. It'll just be a 5-8 for 6, which is not playable in our format. Yep, yep. Um, but it's okay. Okay. It's okay. I mean, I, I think it can be good if you build around it, but it's not like a just throw it into the deck and it's going to be good. Yeah, if you've been ingesting cards or whatever. Yeah. And then that would be much better. Or if you know your playgroup, like somebody plays a lot of Delve or somebody plays a lot of like Exile the Graveyard effects, mm-hmm. then then it can be a lot better. Um, the next one is Desolation Twin. It's 10 mana for a 10-10 Eldrazi, but it says when you cast Desolation Twin, put a 10-10 colorless Eldrazi creature token onto the battlefield. So 10 mana, 20 power and toughness. Pretty good. That seems insane. Also, you know, Parallel Lives, Doubling Season, 
those type of things will just make this auto win. Yeah, super auto win. That would be insane. Just pop out 30 power for 10 mana. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, I mean, the big thing is you, you better be able to give those guys haste because I don't know if they'll stick around for too long. Yeah, it's true. If Somebody's board wiping as soon as possible, but yeah. you know, you might get one swing in with them. Yeah. That'll probably be enough. Hope we put that card in the cube. That would be a great card for the cube. You just uh, a Chroma's Memorial and then <laughs> and then do this and win. Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty realistic. It has happened. Yeah. Uh, plays on that with that much mana. Yeah. Uh, Bane of Galaged is next. Seven mana, uncommon, seven five creature Eldrazi. Whenever Bane of Galaged attacks, defending player exiles two permanents here she controls. It's a better annihilator. Uh, yeah, because it's exile, right? Yeah. And it's... Yeah, they said they weren't going to have annihilator, those liars. Yeah, they just have the actual text without anything before it <laughs> on one card. It is the Bane of Galaged. Uh, you should take this card relatively highly in Balfour's Undercard Draft, in case you guys want to do that. If, Conduit of Ruin combos really nicely with this. If you have uh, this card out, you have to talk like this. Yeah, actually, you're not actually doing the Bane voice correctly in this. So your opponents are going, what? What? What'd you what say? You- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very nice. Uh, Titan's Presence is next. It's a three uh, drop instant. It says, as an additional cost to cast Titan's Presence, reveal a colorless creature card from your hand. And then it says, exile target creature if its power is less than or equal to the revealed card's power. So you reveal Umog and then pretty much get to exile anything you want. Yeah. That's actually, I I like this a lot, actually. This is pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that it's instant. Yep. It's only cost three. Yeah. Yeah. You, it does have a pretty big um, stipulation, which is you have to have right. a high casting cost colorless creature in your hand. But if your deck's built that way, then this card is very powerful. Yeah, like this would work well in Animar because you're probably going to have some colorless stuff in there with Steel Hellkite and all that stuff. Uh, definitely in a colorless deck, this is just an absolute must put in. Uh, next up is a very interesting card, Scour from Existence. Seven mana, it's a common at instant speed. Exile, target, permanent. Seven mana exile anything on the board every deck can now play this card it's again because iona was just printed twice this is an answer to iona in any yeah. multicolored deck or sorry any monocolored deck yeah any monocolored deck that like mono red how are they going to get rid of enchantments boom this gives you a way and A-way. how do you get rid of iona boom this gives you at least one way in your deck yeah i'm almost certainly putting it in a titania unless i make her into omnath in which yeah. case i'm probably still putting it in I mean, for but, being a common, it's seven mana. Sure, that's a lot, but I would play this in limited, and I'd play this in in EDH any day of the week. Yeah, I think if you're in three colors or more, then your toolbox is probably good, good enough, enough that yeah. you do not need this card. But if you're in two colors or definitely monocolored, this is a card to take a look at, and probably I would say almost every monocolored deck needs this card. Because there's going to be certain things you can't take care of. It's just the best insurance policy. You know yeah. that one thing in your deck guaranteed can get rid of most everything on the board. Yeah, it can get rid of Iona. If they play Blood Moon, you can get rid of that. Yep. Um, that type of stuff. Uh, Blood Moon's a reason that you might even put it in like five color. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it turns off everything else you're going to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, besides Chaos Warp, I guess. Um, yeah, I think this card is definitely playable. It's probably going to slot in. It's not in, It's not efficient. Seven mana is a lot. 
least it's an instant. Yeah, who knows if this is going to be one of those like very expensive foils down the line. Yeah. Um, even though it's at common, it's like kind of like that Delver of Secrets thing. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Okay, on to the multicolored cards. Very nice. Okay, so... We're starting off with an ally-based one first. March of the Tomb. From the Tomb. Oh, March from the Tomb. Yeah, they got to get out of there. <laughs> oh, let's move from the Tomb to someplace else. Yeah. And we're going to do it by marching. Battlefield. It's three and Orzov, three uh, white and a black for a sorcery. Return any number of target ally creature cards with total converted mana cost eight or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Cool. For five mana, you're probably getting three creatures, maybe mm-hmm. less. It's two, okay. Two to three, yeah. All right, that's enough about that one. This next one's cool, though. Yeah, bring to light. This is your card, Josh. This is my card. Let me talk about all the five-color cards. This is totally you, and the art on this is really sweet. I want a foil of this pretty badly. Yeah, well, hey, pre-release weekend coming up. (laughs) What's one of the chances? It's like pretty uh, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Bring to light three and green, blue, or Simic, so five mana total with Converge. So that means it cares about how many colors you spend to cast it. So you can five color this. You can five for five this guy. Search your library for a creature, instant, or sorcery card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of colors spent to cast uh, bring to light. Exile that card, then shuffle your library. You may pay cast that card without paying its mana cost. So if you pay Sweet. five different colors of mana, you can find a, any creature, instant, or sorcery card that costs five or less and then cast it for free, basically. So mm-hmm. it's tutor and cast in the same turn. That's what I think makes it very powerful. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you can always go get Demonic Tutor, you know, to find this the other thing Five that you need. Demonic Tutor. Yeah, but I mean, that's just worst case scenario. Best yeah. case scenario is you go find, you know, so often what are you going to look for mm-hmm. when you use a tutor? A lot of times it's an answer. It's a wrath. It's a path to exile. It's a whatever. Yeah. And this finds it and casts it. Yeah, the fact that you can grab instants and sorceries is pretty sweet mm-hmm. instead of just like a creature or whatever. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Bring to light. Yeah, Definitely I think this gonna is going to see a lot of play. I think three color decks and up. Two and below, you can't do it. Yeah, no, it's definitely not worth it for two and below. You just Unless you have something very, very specific you're trying to fetch up. Yeah, that's uh, true. Notably, you can grab a guy named Nekusar with this. Uh, Yeah, you definitely can. Oh, that's a good point. And oh. Marchesa. Oh, oh man it's going in both those decks well we already knew if it's five color i think it's auto <laughs> yeah i think it's... any five color deck will have enough targets that it just goes in there yep totally uh, okay let's go to oh this this one's getting a lot of press yeah sire of stagnation it's... all the people posting on the internet about it yeah it's four and demir so four blue and a black for a five seven a creature eldrazi has devoid so it's colorless whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control that player exiles the top two cards of his or her library and you draw two cards we get to draw cards so if you have this on your side and somebody else plays a land you draw two cards and they mill the top two cards they ingest the top two cards yeah Yeah, because mill goes the graveyard why'd they have to do that i know i know why they had to do it it's just confusing anyway uh people are calling this consecrated sphinx number 2.0 more like not as good (laughs) 0.5 it doesn't fly it's not one color and it and it's dependent on something people can play around. Yeah, I think it's m- a lot worse than most people think it is. I think it's good, and yeah. I think I think in your uh, blue-black decks, you should still include it, but it's not as good as Consecrated Sphinx. I don't think it's as good as Ristic Study. I think it's somewhere mm-hmm. around like Mind's Eye, maybe slightly better than Mind's Eye. Yeah, well, you don't have to pay anything for it once right. it's live, which is nice. But and also- people will have to play lands to keep playing the game, you know? So Well, but they're, you're at six mana, mm-hmm. so it's not like it costs three mana. So they're at a point in the game where they can pull off at least any one thing in their deck, like most things. Mm-hmm. 
And definitely there's not a lot of kill spells or wraths that cost more than six. Yeah. So if they want to get rid of it and they have the means, they probably won't have to play a land to get rid of it. Listen, it's still very good. I just I want to temper everybody's expectations. I don't think it's as good as most people think. It'll yeah. be better against worse players. Oh, totally. They because don't have to play around it. Just like Rhystic Study, where they're going to allow you to draw cards off it because they won't think it's a big deal. But against good players that will refuse to play a land for a couple turns until they can kill it, it will be way worse. Yeah. Uh, but it is still going to be pretty good, and sometimes they have to play a land to you know get the man to kill it, which is great. Yep, you're, you're going to play this. It's going to be less of a target on its back than Consecrated Sphinx. Hopefully, your table. I don't gonna think so though. Too. I think it'll be just as much because Consecrated really? Sphinx, you draw cards, but nothing's actually happening badly to anybody else. True. This makes it feel like I can't play my lands. Yeah. Nobody likes that type of effect. No one likes that kind of effect, but at the same time. It's got this weird thing where Consecrated Sphinx, because you automatically draw no matter what, and the person's like, are you going to draw? And then it's on the person, the Consecrated Sphinx person. It's like some people still have to play their lands, and I think it's more like... But they, it feels like I, it, you're trying to stop me from doing something. Consecrated Sphinx just feels like you're just doing something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see when it comes down to it, but I think the general opinion of this card is high enough that it is going to draw a lot of hate. Yeah, I just think it will draw more hate than Consecrated Sphinx does. Yeah. I, well... From, from, I don't know if that's true, actually, what I just said. Don't listen to me. <laughs> It'll draw a lot of hate. Contracted Sphinx draws a lot of hate, so yeah. it's hard to beat that. Fathom Feeder. Uh, blue, black, Demir. For a 1-1 one, one Devoid creature, Eldrazi Drone with Death Touch. It also has Ingest, so uh, guaranteed this thing is going to probably be able to swing into someone. Uh, and they just won't the want to trade. Yeah, yeah, they won't want to trade whatever's bigger than this dumb little thing. However, it has a uh, activated ability for three blue black five total. Draw a card. Each opponent exiles the top card of his or her library. So it ingests by using its activated ability. Which is and cool. you draw a card. Yeah, it's just value later in the game. These are this is a draw go colors Demir. Yep. Um, this is it's always gonna almost always gonna at least trade for a card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems just very good. Yeah, kind of you, like Baleful Strix, but with better late game potential. Yeah, I agree with that. And you, the flying in Baleful Strix is not as uh, important sometimes. It, I mean, Baleful Strix is probably roughly equivalent or maybe slightly better, but that's a very good card. So if yeah. you're being compared to that, I think you're playable. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Forerunner of the Slaughter. <laughs> so the Slaughter's about to happen. Hasn't happened yet, but this guy's coming to, you know, be right in front of the Slaughter. He's running quite fast. Yeah. He's forerunning it. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's driving a Toyota. He's, uh, <laughs> he's black and red for a 3-2. Creature Eldrazi Drone has Devoid. It says, pay one, target, colorless creature, gains haste until end of turn. Gosh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, because if you're going to drop Blightsteel next turn or Ulamog. Steel Hellkite is the big one I'm thinking Steel of. Steel Hellkite's great. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. that, And this is just low opportunity cost. It's a 3-2 for two. Just mm-hmm. gives colorless creatures haste for one mana after that. Yeah, I could see a deck and center being built around this. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. With a couple of Colagons in there or something. Yep. It's not complicated, but I think it could be played. Yep. Uh, and, of course, it could be, of course, a good choice for a combo. Herald of Kozalik. One blue-red uh, for a 2-4 Eldrazi drone, Devoid. I played this card a few times over the weekend. Colorless spells you cast cost one colorless less to cast. Just if you're building a colorless creature deck... And these are good colors for it, red yeah. and blue. Is it? Uh, this is definitely going in there. Yeah, it's a sweet card. Uh, Catacomb Sifter is the next one. One and Golgari. Yes, one black and green for an Eldrazi drone. Two, three, Devoid. When it enters the battlefield, put a one, one Eldrazi Scion creature token 
onto the battlefield. And then it says, whenever another creature you control dies, scry one. That's just all your creatures now have scry yeah. one when they die. Yeah. That's just jelly on top. And it ramped you by and you getting have a, creature. a scion. The, the big yeah. thing is you have a creature that gives you a scion as well. It's just overall, it's a very good play because, yep. you know, any creature, not just non-token. Like yep. that scion, when you sacrifice it, you get a scry one. Yep. We all know how how handy that is over the long game. Brutal Expulsion is next. This, this is, is like a, a yeah. This is a cool card. It's like the leveled up um, uh, electrolyzed a little bit. <laughs> uh, two and blue red for a devoid instant. So a card that has no color. Choose one or both. Return target spell or creature to its owner's hand. And then the second ability is Brutal Expulsion deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that permanent would be put into the graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Two so, very interesting effects. Yeah, notice how it doesn't say counter. Yep. Yeah, that's the, that's one of the big things about it. So you return target spell to its owner's hand. That means while it's on the stack, so it doesn't resolve. Mm-hmm. So if somebody, uh, let's say they use Boseju to make their their next instant or sorcery uh, cannot be countered, and then they cast Insurrection, you could actually Brutal Expulsion and return that spell to their hand so that it doesn't resolve because that's not the same as countering it. Yeah, you're just taking the, stel- the spell on the stack and putting, putting it, it back, back in their, their hand. hand. Yeah. Uh, which is very useful because people that are you know experienced players and they know about counter spells will build ways to sneak their win conditions in. Yeah. And yeah, they can do it next turn, but that, a lot of times that signifies to the table, oh, let's kill that guy. Yeah, or someone Or else board wipe sure. so there's no creatures out. Yep. So, um, and What's- then... What's the other guy that can do this ability? It's not Teferi. Uh, Venzer. Venzer, yeah. Shaper Savant, I think. Uh, yeah, very good. Has Flash and does the same basic thing. And then it's interesting that the deal two damage uh, is to target creature or planeswalker. Yeah, that's relevant. So you can keep him off an ultimate. You can you know, just zap a utility creature. And also you can bounce a creature. So sometimes maybe you bounce your own creature so you can reuse it into the battlefield effect. I think there's so many modes on this card that it's it's pretty playable. Okay, let's go on to artifacts. We are getting to the home stretch. We're doing it, and we still have to talk about the Kamuna's a cup. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, what's our first artifact here? Aligned Hedron Network. Oh, Aligned Hedron Network is yeah. four mana for an artifact. It says, when Aligned Hedron Network enters the battlefield, exile all creatures with power five or greater until Aligned Hedron Network leaves the battlefield. It's a four mana potentially like 10 for one in an EDH game. It's very, yeah, and it exiles and it's potentially one-sided mm-hmm. so if you put it in a deck that doesn't have any creatures with five oh, power yeah, it's or greater one-sided in yeah that case. so yeah very strong card yeah this card is awesome uh i think it's very playable in edh because there's always going to be someone with a giant demon angel whatever out that is hammering you in the face that you have to get rid of so it's got it all there uh next up hedron archive this card is sweet the art i believe is jace holding this little uh, mini like cool toy thing for four mana you get an artifact that you tap to add to your mana pool and you can pay two colorless and tap it and sacrifice heater knock i draw two cards so it's just a really cool ramp spell that has another ability on it that lets you draw cards kind of like mindstone that's pumped up a little bit yep it's like a double mindstone and yeah. mindstone's pretty good it's, um, it's a mana rock and then when you have enough mana you turn it into cards yep and play this in every limited deck you can for sure <laughs> wizards definitely provided this time when it came to lands yeah it's it's awesome i love lands lands are so important to edh I love this lands. is a, one maybe the most exciting thing about the set 
Yeah, the first card is Sanctum of Ugin. It's our spoiler card. Woohoo! We talk about this card very much in depth, list all the creatures it can affect. Uh, we'll go over it briefly here. Tap to add one to your mana pool, and then secondary text. Whenever you cast a colorless spell with converted mana cost seven or greater, you may sacrifice Sanctum of Ugin. If you do, search your library for a colorless creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So that you don't have to tap it to do it. You can have already added the man to cast this thing, and you can find some really cool stuff. We list all the cards uh, that are legal targets for it that are uh, not in Battle for Zendikar yet. So you can check that out in our uh, spoiler episode. Yep, it's very good. It's going to go in a lot of decks. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Ally Encampment. This Ali, is going to be pretty self-explanatory. Go into the Ally decks. It's a land that you can tap to add one colorless to your mana pool, or you can tap to add one mana of any color, but you spend that mana only to cast an Ally spell, or nice. you can pay one, tap, and sacrifice the Ally Encampment, and you can return target Ally you control to its owner's hand. That's great. You can save a guy for one mana and tapping this land. Yep. So it's good for ally decks, clearly. Yeah. You have to sacrifice the land, unfortunately. It, it kind of reminds me of that. Is it Sanctum of... Or not Sanctum. It's one of the uh, the dragon lands that can fetch back any dragon yeah, or like Ugin Crucible card. Crucible of the Spirit Dragon or yeah. one of those. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Um, yep. I, actually, you could maybe even play it if only your commander is an ally, too. Yeah, that's true. Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. I've got a really cool little uh, Vorthos thing about this This has got to be related to the Temple of the False Gods somehow. Yep. It's uh, add one to your mana pool to tap, and you can also add two to your mana pool. However, spend this mana only to cast colorless spells. Activates this ability only if you control seven or more lands. The flavor text. The gods known to the merfolk as Ula, Amiria, and Kosi were nothing more than false memories of a monstrous trinity. The Eldrazi Titans, Ulamog, Emrakul, and Kozilek. I want you to look at that middle statue. And then black it all out. Imagine it was all one color. What Eldrazi does that look like? That looks like Emrakul. It does. And then Cozy is Kozilek. Ula is Ulamog. So, uh, how cool is that? Oh, yeah, Maria cool, right? is Emrakul. Yep, oh. yep. So if you look at the statues and how they're standing, and then you compare it to the original art for the, uh, the Eldrazi, you'll see that it actually matches really well. All right. Everybody go check out the art for Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. And yeah, if you're really on the cool. YouTube channel watching it right now then you're seeing it yeah so that's the advantage of watching it on youtube yeah so go subscribe to us there youtube.com slash the command zone podcast we'll be there forever and ever and ever forever ever 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 all right, next we're week. going crazy in hour 30 we got this we got this oh we're actually making good yeah, time. We're doing great time actually uh okay next we've got the spawning bed it's a land you can tap it to add a colorless mana or you can tap six and sacrifice the spawning bed you also have to tap the spawning bed Put three colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens onto the battlefield. They're one ones, and you can sack them for one mana each. Um, yep. Yeah. It's just value. It's yeah. not going to go in every deck, but it's just like if you're, especially three color or less, then you don't worry as much about having a couple lands that uh, that screw up your mana. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. All right, moving on to the uh, folk lands, as we're calling them. These are lands that can turn into creatures and bash your opponent in the face. So, all very good. And they also tap for two colors mana. Yeah, th- these are these are pretty awesome. Yeah, first up we have Lumbering Falls. Uh, Lumbering Falls enters the battlefield tapped. I'll give you guys one second to think. Lumbering Falls, what two colors could this be? It's green and blue, Simic. So you can tap it to add green or blue to your mana pool. You can also pay an activated ability cost of two green and blue. Lumbering Falls becomes a 3-3 green and blue elemental creature with hexproof until end of turn. It's still a land. So that's pretty sweet. This is going to be modern playable, definitely standard playable. This is a very good card. Yeah, the hexproof um, is the, the hexproof, thing here. Yeah, because you turn it on, attack them. They can't kill it with a spell. And then during your turn, it's a, or their turn, it's a land again. 
Yep. So they, I don't even know how you get rid of it. You need instant speed board wipe? Yeah, I guess so. Because they could just turn it. Well, I guess, yeah. Or or land destruction. Land destruction will do it. Um, something that gets rid of uh, three threes. So just a minus three, minus three effect. But it's hexproof, so it would have to be board wipe. That's right. It would have to be like a uh, um, a board wipe that just affects the whole board kind of thing. You know, or you have a four, four. <laughs> That yeah. too. Josh, let's not make things too complicated here. <laughs> uh, the other folk land is Shambling Vent. It comes in a battlefield tapped. It taps for either white or black, and you can pay one and white and black. Shambling Vent becomes a 2-3 white and black elemental creature token with lifelink until end of turn, and it's still a land. So same That's thing, good. except for instead of Hexproof, it's got lifelink. It makes it considerably worse. If you guys listen to our uh, Color Wheel series, all of these combos will make sense. That white and black is lifelink, and green yep. and blue is Hexproof. It's still very good, very playable in EDH, because at yep. the very least, it's a guild gate that every once in a while smacks them in the face. And lifelink, actually, I think, is pretty good in EDH, because it changes the calculations. A lot of times, they forget yeah. you have it. So they are like, I send three at you, two dudes at you, and two at you, and you go, I activate and block one and it's like oh now i live for a turn yeah and that may have completely screwed over the opponent's plans which yep. is pretty good uh and so yeah th- these are the only folk lands in this set guaranteed we're going to see more of these continue in the next set Oath there's the what Gatewatch. three more we need yeah there's three more yeah all right now we have a common land cycle uh and these are actually really cool lands in limited at least when i got to play with them they all come into the battlefield tapped and they all do something to a creature and then they can tap for that color. Uh, so Sandstone Bridge uh, taps for one white mana, but also enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, target creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains Vigilance until end of turn. So very much a white ability, Vigilance. Um, the Skyline Cascade one taps a creature and doesn't untap during its next unturn. Uh, That's a blue one, obviously. Oh, no, actually, it just target creature doesn't untap. So if it is untapped, then it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, yep, you don't tap the creature. It has to already be tapped. Yeah, or if they tap it uh, by before it gets to their untapped right. step. The black one is Mortuary Mire. It, um, this may be the best of the bunch. Uh, <laughs> it enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, you may put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Yeah, it's totally garbage and limited and stuff because you, you, know, you don't want to set yourself back a whole turn. But in EDH, you can put some pretty powerful stuff up top. Yeah, you might just get back Shieldred. Yeah. I mean, oh God. that's pretty awesome. Sounds uh, about right. Looming Spires is the red one. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped. Target creature gets plus one, plus one against first strike until end of turn. So, again, a very red ability there. Uh, the Fertile Thicket is the only one that doesn't have to do with creatures. It uh, When it enters the battlefield, you may look at the top five cards of your library. If you do, reveal up to one basic land from among them. Put that card on the top of your library and put the rest on the bottom. So, it's fixing. It's not ramp, but it could yeah. allow you to find, like... The right mana. I think. I believe uh, a little birdie told me that the original version of Fertile Thicket just put it into your hand, which was way probably way too powerful. Way too powerful. Yeah. Just drawing a card. This is probably playable and limited, um, especially if you're in a three color deck or more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's an uncommon land cycle also. There, the Blighted X. So the Blighted Step is. There's one for each color, but it doesn't actually tap for that color. It has mm-hmm. an activated ability that has to do with that color. The white one. T- Taps for one colorless, or you can pay three and a white and tap and sacrifice the Blighted Step, and it says you gain two life for each creature you control. Nice. Blighted Cataract, uh, it's the blue one. You instead pay five and a blue and tap it to sacrifice it, draw two cards. That's pretty good. That's Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that's probably playable in EDH. Uh, the, yeah. The, the gain life, maybe not. Uh, the black one is you can tap it for a colorless, or you can pay four a black and tap and sacrifice it. It's called Blood Defend, by the way. And target opponent sacrifices a creature. 
That's pretty good too. Yep. Uh, Blighted Gorge is the red one. Four in a red. You can tap it. Sacrifice Blighted Gorge. Blight Gorge deals two damage to target creature or player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the green one is called Blighted Woodland. You can pay three in a green, tap and sacrifice it, and search your library for up to two basic land cards. Put them onto the battlefield tapped and shuffle your library. Wow. It's hey, Corrosive Verge. Good. Yeah. Um, it's. Wow, that, that card's really good. That's going in most of your green decks. Yes, definitely. It's definitely going into Titania, I bet. For sure. Um, this is also a very good fixer if you're trying to play Converge Unlimited and stuff because you can get two different basic lands. And all you have to do is be base green, usually. Jimmy, we're almost there. We just have one group of cards left. It is the Havelands. Havelands, hashtag Havelands. Hashtag Havelands. Make it have. I tried to make it Haven in, uh, when I was in uh, Seattle. I uh-huh. would tell anyone I could about the Havelands, and <laughs> the mixture, it was a mixture of reactions. Uh, whatever. It's clearly <laughs> the best idea. I don't know why any reaction or mixture. And by the way, let's just stop really here so I can quickly tangent. Tango Lands. I know. People like it. Here's the problem with Tango Lands. I keep explaining it. It's based on a phrase. The phrase is, it takes two to tango. You know what's wrong with that? That phrase only exists in our culture. They don't say that in Japan. They don't say that in Germany. They don't say that in Russia. So then you have to explain it because it's like if we decided to call them waltz lands. (laughs) That would make no sense. Everybody would be like, why is it waltz? Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, because in Russian it says it takes two to waltz. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why that's not, it's a poor choice for a nickname because it doesn't work multiculturally it's kind of insensitive to call it something like that so yeah it just doesn't make any sense because it's not going to translate to other think of the other nicknames bounce land yeah check land pain land shock land those are all self-explanatory they're all simple yeah these are kind of like check lands a little bit Checks yeah for something i think be. if check land wasn't already taken that'd be the name yeah for it's sure. taken though so these are the have lands yep all right uh here's how they all work they tap for uh one sorry they tap for two colors of mana either let's say white or blue what are these these are allies allied paired so you got white blue you got oh you got azorius demir um rakdos gruel and celestia those are your choices five different lands and they come into play tapped unless you control two or more basic lands Mm -hmm. that's it that's it they're all awesome Five color decks probably can't play them. They also have the words island and swamp and mountain oh, and they can be fetch landed. So fetch landed, yeah, very yeah, importantly, very important. Actually, that's a very huge thing. Um, again, five color decks, I think probably can't play them because you just don't have enough basic lands. But three and below, they're very very good. Yeah, I mean, if you crack one of these in a booster pack, I don't think these are going to raise above like a four to five dollar price point. Um, just because they don't ha- give you the ability to, ha- to come in untapped. Uh, like It'll be interesting to see if they get played in modern because they do not do deal- damage to you, although I think you want to shock land basically every time. Every but... time, just to give yourself the option. Yeah. Because a lot of the times the shock land will come in tapped at the end of turn and you'll be totally fine with it, you know, in modern. Two color. Two color, yeah. Two color decks, these are very If good. you have enough basic lands to, to do it, for sure. There are The, the deeper the, the formats go, the more crazy lands you have and the more non-basics, so... It'll be interesting to see if these actually make it. Also, you guys can get these in expedition format. So if you crack open the booster, you have like a 1 in 262 chance or something of opening a Do foil. we even know yet what the odds are? 
Uh, have they released any like info? One, it's one a case is about, and people have been doing a lot of calculations on the subreddit for Magic as well. I don't how know did the exact how are number. how are they even coming about the numbers to make the calculations? I out? think it's because they said it's the same level rarity, slightly less than a foil mythic rare. Gotcha. So they're able to calculate that based on prior sets, and then they just do the number around that. Whatever gotcha. that is. So one every six boxes. Yeah. Man, Doc is friggin' lucky. Doc is very lucky. Doc um, uh, at the Community Cup pulled a Expedition Hollowed Fountain. Yeah, one of the better ones you can do. It's uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of the Community Cup. Hey, that, hey, we finished our Battle for Zendikar preview. That is our preview. You could tell by the length of it, there was a lot of awesome cards for yeah, EDH in coming there. coming up on two hours here. So, um, yep, this set's going to be sweet. Again, please, I would just recommend not pre-ordering anything. I have a really... I agree. I, I think these prices are going to drop precipitously. Yeah, and unless some crazy Eldrazi deck becomes super popular, the bigger cost creatures and stuff that you're going to want to put in an EDH deck are not going to be uh, super expensive to buy. So. And if you listen to our buddies on the Masters of Modern podcast, you can you can see that they don't think there's a lot of modern playable cards. So even mm-hmm. worst case scenario, when this stuff rotates, it's probably going to drop a lot because if cards aren't played in any internal formats, then they're just not going to be worth anything after rotation. Now, we don't know right now you know everybody thought jace Vern's prodigy was a horrible card before the set came out and it turns out it's playable in legacy and it's awesome yeah um, and it's so killing it they right could now. be wrong but i think so much of this set is going to be opened and the way that this type of set is built with huge effects i just don't see that the the value being super super high so just yeah. don't pre-order it. Now, cards like Emrakul and stuff cost a lot now, but that's because their power level is out of control. They're played you know? in Legacy. Yeah. So, yeah. and I mean, it's really like there's going to be a time period when these cards are not going to be expensive, and then they're going to start climbing back up in price, and you just need to get them between those two things. Yep. All right. Let's end go step. to the end step where we Ooh. talk about something. Well, this week it's going to be in the world of Magic. Yep. It's going to be the Community Cup. Yeah. So I got to go to the Community Cup last weekend. Sans Josh. It was a very sad time. I wish you could have been there, Josh. Wish I could have been there. It looked like a lot of fun, but I did get to follow along, so that was cool. Yeah, that was nice. Um, yeah, I played on a team of eight community members handpicked by the Wizards uh, sort of, I guess, company, I guess, this time against eight uh, members of Wizards of the Coast. A lot of them were R&D members. Some of them were, uh, you know, Pro Tour winners. Like oh, Mike they stacked Turian. the deck this time. They yeah. wanted to win. Melissa Del Toro is a Pro Tour uh, competitor, and she's top-aided numerous times, I believe. Uh, Turian's a, a Turian's Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, yeah. He's won the Pro Tour. He's won GPs. Um, Ryan Spain used to be the original host on uh, Limited Resources. Limited resources. Uh, Aaron Forsyth is uh, Mark Rosewater's boss. Uh, yeah, so the team was stacked. Um, there were a lot of good players on the team, and throughout the weekend, we could feel that the Wizards team was sick of losing. They wanted to win. Um, except for maybe Melissa. I think Melissa had the best attitude about it because she's been on both sides now. I think Melissa wanted to win, though. She's a spiky player. Yeah, she definitely wanted to win, but she had the least amount of salt about it by far. Oh, really? Yeah, her and Mike Turian are like... I don't know how they do it. Mike Turian never had, never didn't have a smile on his face, and all the Wizards players were saying this too. Like he, they're they're just like I, I have no idea. Well, he never gets upset by anything. That makes sense though. Turian and Melissa have been in real tournaments with real huge stakes. Yeah, so this but, was probably for them, like playing in the minor leagues a little bit. Yeah, you know, like they could, they don't have to take it as seriously. <laughs> they were, they were even saying for Turian though that he was he's always been this way. Yeah, which is crazy because I can imagine he's a hell of a player. Off, yeah, I can imagine tilting off real hard at some really high stakes events, but. You know, it was really cool getting to play against Worth Wolpert, you know, the guy behind Magic Online pretty much. Blame Worth. Blame Worth. Yeah, it was great. One of the best moments I had a legacy stipulation draft, so I had a I had to cho- that we had to choose what like our criteria was when we drafted. Wedge did. He had to draft uh, cards that only sounded like 
um, disaster, disaster movies. movies. Yeah, so Armageddon was one of his picks. Uh, mine was World Knit. Kind That's of busted. a pretty good one. Pretty good one. That's guys, my favorite one. Yeah, a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy card called World Knit, where it's you get to, you have to draft every card and play every card that you draft, but you can tap your lands for any color of mana. The way they do this in Legacy Cube is a little different, though. Yeah, they had me uh, be able to put in any number of vivid lands. Gotcha. So that was actually kind of cool. So those all enter the battlefield tapped and have two charge counters on them, and they can tap for any mana if you just remove a charge counter. So I just ended up building a Praetor deck with a lot of reanimated effects. You did pretty well, too. Would you go? I went two and one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first game I just got run over, and then uh, the second game, um, it was really close, and then I managed to pull out the victory. And the third game against against Worth, who was playing like an all-control deck, misclicked crazy bad oh his stipulation was he could not have creatures yeah no creatures so it was a bunch of planeswalkers and counter magic and he was blue red black okay and then explain the misclick because okay. yeah when they played it on uh coverage it just froze and we didn't know what happened yeah because he just immediately conceded the game as soon as it happened right. before anything resolved um okay so the first bad thing that happened is he control managed my nissa and he <laughs> oh, dropped yeah. a seventh land, thinking that it would turn into a planeswalker under his control. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, yeah. it says it returned into its under its owner's or owner's control. Yep. Yeah, so it came back to me. He triggered my own Nissa. For it me. was the uh, Magic Origins Nissa. Yeah. So yeah, he takes it, drops a land. It says flip it over, transform it, and then return it. But it returned it to you. Yeah. Under its so he just control. threw. He just lit a control magic on fire. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he had Karn liberated out, which can exile a card from your hand or another permanent on the battlefield. And I was trying to drop like Garrick's and stuff and try to keep punch- pumping up beasts and Ashayas to try and swing at uh, this thing. So I could just eventually kill Karn because it was just destroying me. I had to play every card out of my hand. Otherwise he would exile it. And he also dropped uh Tamio, which is able to tap stuff down and keep it tapped. So he could just stop me. At that point, he was almost in the full lock. So now you can't hit Karn, and which means he's just exiling stuff every turn. Yeah. Yeah. And then he accidentally <laughs> clicked Exile Target Permanent and clicked his own Tamio. So he Karned his own tia- Tamio. Yeah. You know, I got to say, it's a little bit of poetic justice it for was... Mr. Worth. <laughs> That was definitely a highlight for me. It was really funny when it happened because there was just kind of a stunned silence that happened after it. Like, we were just joking around beforehand. I was like, uh oh, here comes the soft lock. He's like, you know it. And then it was just click, click, and then it hit. And then everyone just went, oh. He needed to then uh, get a shirt made that says, blame myself. Blame myself. Yeah, I yeah. tweeted him about it later. He's like, no one to blame but myself. Yep. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. Uh, we also played a legendary commander game. I built a deck with uh, Yoel Larson, who's a Pro Tour winner, and Wedge from the Mana Source uh, around Metamite the Ageless. It was a flavor draft for Iron Root Chef. Uh, no, sorry. It was a flavor build for Iron Root Chef. Right. So they gave you guys a uh, choice of, what, five different commanders? Five commanders, yeah. And you guys get to choose first, right? Mm-hmm. So you chose Metamai, and then the Wizards team chose Ramirez? Ramirez de Pietro immediately, because it was the most flavorful card. It was a pirate you know, in blue and black. It was not the most flavorful card. It was the easiest card. Yeah, it was kind of the easy pick. Uh, yeah, it was the card that, like, as soon as you saw it, you go, oh, you make a pirate deck. Yep. Like, your brain knew exactly where to go with that. I didn't like that they chose that. They were very excited to choose it, but... You- yeah, they thought we were going to take it, and originally we were like, look, if we're going to do this, we can't just do pirates. We're going to do this, and Doc had the idea. like, let's make it the entire story of uh, The Princess Bride. That would be awesome, Dread yeah. Pirate Roberts. Yeah, and then we realized that blue Hard and to black, do, yeah. yeah if it was have- in three or four colors, maybe. Yep, exactly. So we were like, you know what, let's do another card, and Yoel was like, we should do Metamite. Because uh, he really liked the card, and I think he had a good idea of what he wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, it kind of, I think, had a nice spiky feel to it that 
we could yeah, use an extra to, turns card. to win the game, but not necessarily use to abuse. So that was the planning of the deck. So our idea here is to do a, a, an episode, a future episode, going in-depth on the build of Metamai yeah. and what you guys did. but And also what you can do to make it into a real deck. Right. Uh, but let's talk about this a little bit here, because you were the head chef, yep. which meant that you were sort of in charge of... I don't... Okay. The way that the, um, the, the Iron Root Chef portion of the show went was that the each team, the community team, and the Wizards team w- had to build three decks. So there was mm-hmm. a standard deck, a modern deck, and a commander deck. First of all, awesome they included commander in yeah, there. Yeah, the first time ever. Yeah, and I, is... I have to think it's because you were there. Yeah, uh, me and Stibbs are both the commander players of the group. Yeah, so I have to think that, but that's just... You mean we were there, Josh, you yeah. and me. No, I was, I was unfortunately not there. Um, it, it has to be like said that that's such a great thing to have commander be part of the event yeah uh that it's never been before it, it just shows that they're taking notice of, the, of our community and and the things that uh that that are going on out there so that's great so yeah, that's how it we're works. validated it was awesome yeah that was i was i was very proud of that moment just them having commander be part of it so then those were the three decks and then there's obviously more than three people on each team so you guys had to split into groups yep and each deck had, quote-unquote, a head chef. Mm-hmm. And you were the head chef, obviously, for the commander deck. <laughs> um, it also meant that when all was said and done, after the game was played, we'll talk about that in a minute, you had to get in front of everybody and, and explain what the flavor of the deck was and why you made all the choices that yeah, you made. it was like a high school book report. <laughs> it really uh, was. Yeah, as, the, as Nate described it when, uh, uh, when <laughs> Megan went up and delivered her, her speech about her deck. <laughs> okay, so Metamai the Ageless... Um, well, why don't you explain how the deck got built? Yeah, so he's a four blue and a white flower. He's a legendary sphinx that every time he connects and does combat damage to a player, you take an extra turn, but he cannot attack during extra turns. So we just went full on with the... He's from Theros Block. We went full on with the... He's an oracle. He's coming in to foresee the future and speak to the people in riddles and clues, and it's mm-hmm. up to them to sort of decide their fate and whether or not they correctly interpret the signs, a.k.a. make the right decision. So in gameplay, this meant that Anytime he attacked, we would always use the extra turn and try and cast like Factor Fiction and give the opponent choices mm-hmm. uh, or use Thrantome and other similar effects and also cast a lot of cards like Divination and Telling Time, you know, cards that had to do with time traveling. And we had a bunch of extra turn effects in there as well, but we were not built to sit there and try and counter everything. Swan Song was actually the only inclusion of a counterspell in the deck, and it's because Metamize in the flavor text. And the judge shouted it out, which was awesome. So total call out to you, Josh. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have thought to just look at that card. I from love Swan block, Song. And I saw Metamai's name in the flavor text. So I was like, oh, my God, it's perfect. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm allowed to put it in there. Yeah, exactly. So it's funny because when I did the whole thesis defending the flavor of it, I was like, it was so easy for me to do because I've been doing this for a year with yeah, the command right? zone. Like we've been doing this exact thing, <laughs> except building decks that are you know not super flavorful. But we just had to you know I just had to change a couple of settings in my head, and, and it worked out really well. Yeah, you had a really good speech. Um, in fact, I thought your speech brought it. You tricked them because yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. Like you talked about how you could have just done a bunch of extra turn effects, and. You know, but that you decided not to do that, and you went with all this other stuff. But then, when you actually watched the game play out, oh, yeah. it was taking infinite turns. So I thought I was like, "Oh, Jimmy's speech—he used his charisma, and he—he—he, yeah. he, he, you know, smoothed it out. Although they don't judge you at all on the game itself because anything can happen. We made sure to also like make sure when we made the decks, like, well, 
he is Metamai the Ageless. If we don't have at least one infinite combo in here, then it is kind of betraying the deck itself. Yeah, that's interesting. And it just happened that Yol drew into both of them. <laughs> there was, I think, there was actually quite a few infinite combos in that deck. Yeah, you know, it was sort of the classic, like, oh, I accidentally went infinite. Uh, yep. You could do that a different, a couple of different ways. Um, One of the best cards in there was Crystal Shard, which just made me remind you, remind me card, of you yeah. entirely. It's, it's a very card. erratic portal. It's, yep. Yeah, it's when you think of using it on yourself, then you realize exactly how powerful it is. Yeah. Also, luckily, it could be used on them, too. Yep, and we like that they give them a choice. They can choose to pay an extra mana, otherwise it gets or bounced. Not. Yeah. Or they just don't have any mana, so they have to bounce it. Yeah. It's happened when, a lot. Well, we just, I saw that as like, hey, look, you guys aren't interpreting the signs correctly. Like, we're, we you're have not preparing the, yourself. Yeah, you're not preparing yourself for the riddles to come. Yeah, pretty good. Onboard um, riddle, bro. <laughs> what made the game super interesting was actually the clock. Yes, and that's something that is never present in common, like sort of just yes. like non-online games of non-competitive commander. commander yeah, because yeah, usually it's just like, oh god, that game took three hours. But in this case, we only had a twenty-five-minute clock. There was a point in time where I think you guys had about a minute left, and oh, you god. had to do about thirty damage. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like, oh, I, think I don't we're gonna think lose. they're going to win this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they in a normal commander game they win hands down, but. They have to do this in a minute, and I don't know that they can. And Usually, then, in the normal commander game, when you're when you establish the infinite loop, everyone's like, "Okay, cool, uh, I can see." Let's shuffle up, yeah, yeah. Let's shuffle up. In this case, no, the the pirate deck in flavor was like, "We're never surrendering till we die." So, right, we played that. Down <laughs> no to retreat, the wire. No, no surrender. Retreat, we're yeah. pirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It almost worked out for him. Yeah, by the end we weren't taking infinite turns. We were just we eventually just wiped the board of all lands and then just let it play out with our like two two power creatures on the board. And that way Mendemai could finally attack every other turn. Right. Because whenever we took an infinite turn combo, it would just never allow Mendemai to attack. Right. Mendemai's text actually says that he cannot attack on extra turns. Yeah, so we were swinging in with like two power creatures and it was like, uh oh, we gotta speed this clock up. Well it was interesting because um yeah, I was curious Yul had the ability to cast Catastrophe almost the entire time, yep. and there was a lot of spots where he probably should have, and I'm assuming he's a pro tour player. He just didn't want to for some reason. Yeah, the main one was because Sands of Time was out, and uh-huh. it didn't let him untap his creatures. So had he cata- casted Catastrophe... But he had Paradox Haze. Yeah, he did have Paradox Haze, but it didn't. I don't think it worked. He, he The way he said that he was playing it, he knew that he had to get rid of his own artifact in order for him to win efficiently and like assuredly. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it would have been so slow that maybe had he catastrophed early enough that the opponent would have been able to build up enough lands and just got back into the game. And then it, it was interesting because he had Zer's weirding, so he could have made sure they didn't draw a card for the rest of the game. Yeah, I, I mean it was such a crazy. Lock and, oh, that we and he had was going. at eighty life. Yeah, we should say because he beacon of immortality uh, when he was at forty, so he doubled his life total. And then he drew it again. Later. And then Zer's weirding says um, you reveal the card that you're about to draw, and your opponent can pay two life, and then you just don't get that card. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I was like, with Zero's Weirding, I would just Catastrophe, and then I can just an yep. 80 life, and you it's just, just lock like... down the game for them. Yeah, I can just blank their next, like, 40 draw steps. It was funny because when I... You'll see me walk up there in the in the preview, uh, re, uh, sort of the replay of it. You can see me, like, tap on the screen. I'm tapping Catastrophe. As soon as I go up there, I'm like, we should just cast this. And, we'll win. Yeah. But it was, it's actually kind of funny. Well, it was, it was awesome to see you come up and start giving advice to the Pro Tour champion. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I know exactly what Jimmy's saying, and he's right. We're the commander guys. You yeah, should listen. You should cast Catastrophe. <laughs> it's funny because it made the game way more interesting than him not playing it. Right. Um, I, yeah, I, I still don't fully understand the logic behind it, uh, but you know what? I trust Yol, and you know it did end up making for 
one of the best streamed games of Commander ever. I think a lot of people said that was the best single match that was played of the weekend. Yeah, so I it, would agree with really that. It really did showcase Commander in a really, really awesome light. Yeah, and they both had costumes on. And oh, it, was just, yeah. it was just great having a Pro Tour caliber player pilot a freaking janky Metamide the Ageless extra turns combo While wearing deck. an Egyptian outfit because they couldn't find a Greek one. Yeah, but he was still a Sphinx, which is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty awesome. If you haven't watched it, you should definitely go to twitch.tv backslash magic. Mm-hmm. And if you click on past broadcasts, yeah, they've you'll highlighted see the community the match, cup. Yeah, and it's the second day of the community cup. Yep. And they highlighted that specific match. And I think they'll put it on YouTube too. It's just too good. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great for uh, the whole community, uh, especially the commander community. Let's talk really quickly before we go. And I know this is long and people have probably turned it off, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> you got to play Battle for Zendikar. Yes, I did. So a lot of people, when listening to this, will have played the pre-release, but you've drafted it and done a pre-release already. If we're getting ready for release weekend and they didn't play the pre-release, what can we learn from what you learned? Uh, I think the best archetype, and Kenji agrees with me, he was actually the one that proposed that it's the best archetype, would be blue-red colorless. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily Eldrazi, but there are a lot of Eldrazi signs and stuff. Um, there's just a lot of really good tempo-based stuff and a lot of really awesome cards like the uh, Nettle Drone that taps and deals one damage. Um, that extremely brutal expulsion is just a blowout. Uh, turn against. Um, a lot of like really good cards that can just get your opponent. And, and those also, cards get you out of holes. No other cards get you Yeah, out. and they have some of the best commons as well. Uh, there's like a really good bounce spell that has Awaken, and there's also a, a card that's like the Sandstep Outcast, except it's reversed. You get a flyer that's a 2-1, and then a 1-1 one, one side. Oh, yeah, I forget what that's called, but it's yeah. very good. Yeah, and there's a bunch of really good... Not to mention Rolling Thunder is... Rolling Thunder, yeah. So I think Blue Red just has the highest quality of cards across the board, mm. so I think it's going to be um, definitely a... If, if players catch on, it's going to be drafted heavily, I think, as an archetype. Um, past that, I saw a lot of success with the white-black uh, life gain deck with the allies, if you can put that together. If no one else is in it, the problem is that a lot of the allies are good enough that people might just take them because it's a solid two-drop. Even though know? they're not an ally deck. Yeah, like the one that makes our creatures indestructible. Like, that's just still a pretty good card. You know, there's one that gives everyone vigilance and stuff. People just will take those. So, hmm. What about Awaken? That was my call uh, as, like, a really good mechanic because it, it felt like Bestow. Did that end up being good? Yeah. Almost every Awaken card had it's good uses throughout the weekend. Some of the Awaken cards are worse than the others, but for the most part, the fact that you could do it was amazing. Like, anytime someone, Yol played that planar disruption, oh, or, man. he basically board wiped and then made a giant creature. He had two of those board two. wipes with Awaken on it. Yeah. yeah, and also, it's interesting, Converge, I think, is a real thing. I yeah. think it's a real deck type. Um, Yol played it multiple times. Every time he drafted it, he just forced it, and there was no one else that was ever willing to go into it, and it worked really well for him. And I was talking Is to there Glenn enough Jones. lands... To make that work, yeah, because you know I'm doing it. Otherwise, it's not about the lands. It's about getting um, what's that uh, flyer that one one for three expedition. He kind of expedition maps out the land for you. Oh, Pilgrim's Eye. Pilgrim's Eye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Pilgrim's Eye is really important. There's a bunch of green cards. There's like a two and a green instant speed. Put a land on the battlefield card. Um, So you don't get any. You don't get like dual lands, but you go and you get. um, You just find the the cards that are like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's a couple of those mana dorks too. It's two and a green for a guy that will tap for any color mana. So you just, it's a little slower, but you get to put out some really powerful cards. Um, it's like a green-white deck. And, and there's a really good chance, especially in these first weekends, that everyone's going to be afraid to draft it because they're, they're not going to know the set well enough to know if it's going to be able to be a thing. Right. And you're going to have to put a lot of cards in there that don't affect the board as much. They just get you a land or whatever, you know, like Sylvan's Crying or whatever. But mm-hmm. even then, those are all like borderline play. It's a tough deck to build. You'll manage to do it every single time and had a really good record. So 
All right, cool. I'm stoked because that's my favorite deck. Yeah, I think you'll you'll definitely be able to build it. It's fun. And again, I think people are just too scared to do it too. Well, they were even scared in Cons of Tarkir when it was easy. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, very very cool. All right. Well, we will definitely be talking more about the Community Cup when we do the episode uh, about the Metamai deck. Um, yeah so go if you have not watched it go watch it yeah definitely it's a definitely lot of fun. watch jimmy's like 17 minute speech about <laughs> the pet of my tech as long as the it's game funny itself. as hell yeah <laughs> yeah i went pretty deep into it uh, you just you just kept talking I, I was like this is a good strategy because the judges might just be like okay okay shut up 15 yeah, we got it we got it yeah full score full just score. shut up <laughs> we got 14 unfortunately that's pretty good yeah it's pretty good um 15s are rarely granted i found but we got it from the hardest judge the five from nate and he's usually the most strict about this kind of thing so very cool very cool well Looks like a lot of fun. Um, all right, time for the cleanup step. So we already mentioned the Masters of Modern podcast, but we'll mention them again. If you like modern or competitive magic, you should check out the Masters of Modern with Ben Bateman and Alex Kessler. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast, or you can just go and listen to their stuff on rocketjump.com under the podcast tab right next mm-hmm. to us. Or rocketjump.com slash the MMCast as well. Uh, our editor for the show is Eli Cuevas. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for providing all the cool living hard animations on our YouTube channel. You can check that out, youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. And you can find Jeffrey on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. He occasionally uploads new ones and they're always really awesome and really fun to watch. And we haven't included all of them on our video as well. So there's some they may not have seen yet. All right. For all three of you that are still listening, Ooh. thanks for listening. And we will talk to you. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>